Well, my friends, it is that time of year again, uh, the time when the randomness of the Phantom Correspondence website becomes even more random because we start throwing basketball at, at you. Uh, that should tell you something about we're always talking about Phantom is for every, everyone on this on this site. And uh, we're, we're, we're stretching it again this year because we're going to talk about basketball, the NBA in particular. And to do that, uh, I have a good friend of mine, Chase Carrico. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm wonderful. When basketball starts popping up for the Phantom Correspondence, I start popping up with it. There you go. And obviously, you know me, I'm Josh, the wise sage Hardesty, and uh, we, a huge NBA fan. Uh, last year, we, we did this. We got a really good response uh, to our, our um, NBA preview. Uh, things got real busy, so we never got to really do anything else with it. Hopefully this year, we're going to change it up. Maybe do some more NBA stuff as the year goes uh, a year year goes down. Um, but I do think Chase, you know, really quick th- before we even get into anything, has this been one of the most interesting off seasons that you can remember in NBA history, or at least in in your lifetime? It, it has been so sporadic. Like yeah. th- I, there have maybe been some wilder ones, but like just stories all over the place that are just so incredibly different. And they've been paced in this weird way of, like, there's always something that we're talking about. Uh, It's not like we had three or four or five different things happen at once. It's like, okay, we have two weeks where this is what's going on, and this is the topic of the day. And then once that kind of dies down, something just happens again for us to talk about. So, yeah, it's been a very interesting offseason. It's been weird because I do think at the end of last year, you know, if you had asked me, or if you'd asked myself to put myself in Adam Silver's shoes, I'd be saying something to the extent of, I could not be happier with where the product is it is right now. I mean, it, it was a it was Golden State in Boston, you know, it was young up and coming star Jason Tatum, young up and coming star Jalen Brown, you know, Boston Celtic dynasty against Golden State, you know, where the 21st century basketball team, you know, I mean, the, you know, the epitome of what basketball is right now, which is this weird combination of the American and European style that you see in Golden State, perfectly matched against each other. Uh, just, just, you know, really this, this really perfect uh, conglomeration of, of styles. You know, you had a really entertaining playoffs, I thought. Um, the finals, I know, didn't go your or my way, but like still an entertaining, uh, entertaining finals. You know, Stephen Curry finally, you know, uh, attaining and getting the finals MVP. That ends. I wouldn't think you could be happier th- with that. And then the off season is just all of this whining and griping <laughs> for like for like two to three months of just Kevin Durant's unhappy. Ime Yudoka is doing stuff that we don't even know about. You know, Kyrie Irving, still Kyrie Irving. Russell Westbrook is still Russell Westbrook. Just all over and over and over again. And it ends, of course, with Draymond Green uh, punching Jordan Poole, which is the newest thing that's happened. Which, once again, I have to stress, that is something that happened on the team that won the title. You know, which I can't remember that ever happening. Like, I can't, like, I I, I literally, you know you know me, Chase, I'm a, I try to be a historian this thing, and I tried to go back and try to figure out a moment where a team had won the title and then just had fallen apart so hard like that. And the closest I got to was probably the 2002 Lakers with Kobe and Shaq. But, like, you know, I mean, it wasn't like that. You know, you know what I mean? It was like you didn't have, you didn't have a tape 
uh, recorded of of Draymond just straight up punching Jordan Poole and laying him out uh, in in very ugly fashion. Uh, So you already talked about it, but not only was that the finals team that has that going on, but probably I would say the second biggest negative offseason storyline was the other team that was in the finals. Like both of them have major stuff going on. Right. So, so I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do some questions. Here's my first one to you. Does any, do any of the teams want to win the finals this year? That's the first question I have for you. Well, in all honesty, what I'm really asking is, you know, with, with all these off off season distractions, which team do you think is going to be affected the negatively uh, the most? That so I've heard so many actual positive things about Joe Missoula, who will be taking over as head coach for Ime Yudoka and the Celtics. So that was initially the one that I was the most worried about. Uh, I will tell you, this is really minor, but one of like the elite teams in the NBA that I actually do think may have some problems is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that their issues haven't been as public. They've been public, but not, it, they haven't been those huge storylines. So, I mean, you've got Jay Crowder asking for a trade. He is not really participating in anything with the team. And, I mean, Jay Crowder is like their fifth or sixth best player probably. He's started for them for forever, and they're asking him to come off of the bench. But when you've got, like, a guy that started for you in the finals who doesn't seem to be interested in being on the team, you've got uh Aiton who apparently has not spoken to the coach until like the past couple of weeks since they lost to the Dallas Mavericks um and then I mean just other small things you never know when Chris Paul is just going to age out of the NBA we've been I mean it was like five years ago four or five years ago he was on the Houston Rockets and they were like ah horrible contract that he's not going to be worth this money in two years and we were all clearly wrong um but obviously the Suns were the only team that won 60 games last year. And I, I'm a little bit concerned for them. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I, I've got, I must say my thoughts on the Suns. Uh, we, we've got, I have thoughts <laughs> about this Phoenix Suns. Um, for me though, I think the, the team that is going to be affected most negatively about uh, their off season issues no shocker here is the Golden State Warriors, which is, you know, for me, what Golden State has always had going for it is a camaraderie almost, or like this, this, this weird, you know, that they are the team that they are, they're the team you point to, you know, when, when the, when the college guys, you know, are, uh, you know, when the guys that just, you know, are like, I don't watch basketball to March Madness because I don't want to play the right way. The team you point to is the Golden State Warriors, you know, backdoor cuts, you know, passing from the top of the key, you know, hitting as many, uh, you know, uh, open jumpers as possible. You know, they're the team you point to as this just penultimate basketball team. Okay, Um, a lot of that comes from Draymond Green, and I do not think that the way they have handled the situation is a way that lends itself to another title run. I could be wrong on that. I could be totally wrong about that. Um, But, you know, for me, uh, all parties involved here have been really, really weird on how they, how they have handled the Draymond situation moving forward. Um, Because what's funny is, you know, there was this, there was this little um, 
there's this little argument going around on TikTok, which I found really interesting. Um, uh, that was basically like, you know, if you could start a team and you had to pick between Carmelo Anthony or Draymond Green, who would you pick? And most people said Draymond Green because of what he brings to the table. He's a better defender, better passer. You know, he's going to make the team work. You know, Carmelo's a ball stopper. By the way, poor Carmelo is having just a hard time in his, you know, uh, post-basketball career. Uh, people are just really uh, not – are really looking at him in a, in a horrible light. Um, but 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 seriously, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a thought, though, of Draymond is – this kind of guy who makes that makes a team go. And if you take that away from Golden State, you know, what is Golden State? I mean, what does what is Golden State's identity without Draymond Green? I know what it is without Kevin Durant, and I and I know what it is without Clay Thompson, but Draymond and Steph are the two pieces that make that thing go. And so what is the team without that? You know, and I and I don't see like James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody as good as they are uh, or could be. I don't see them stepping into that role. So I think that's the team that to me is the one um, that is the, that's going to be most negatively affected Um, because the thing is like, we've already seen what a, uh, what a Draymond blow up can do to the team. Uh, You know, a Draymond blow up is essentially what led Kevin Durant submitted it basically was, that's what made him, want to leave, which I still think is stupid, but still whatever. Um, you know, Draymond blow ups, they, they don't they don't go quietly into the night. Um so you know to I mean so real real quick bonus question before we move to a, net, a question you might have. Um with without Draymond, you know, or do, do you think Draymond gets moved this year? No, I, I really don't. Uh we've talked kind of in the past couple of weeks and you said definitely not early on maybe uh you look at it further into the season depending on how things go but i mean i just can't imagine a deal is out there where they get something that is as valuable or nearly as valuable to them as draymond green is that just is i cannot see that happening so it would have to be defcon one, I think, is the bad one. Whatever the worst DEFCON is for that to even be something in their considerations. Because, I, I mean, as long as Stephen Curry is there, which I think is going to be there his entire career, they should be planning on a championship, trying to contend for one. And Draymond, as you've noted, is a major reason why they're capable of contending for a championship. I don't think they're going to dump him when that's such a clear possibility. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. I will say <laughs> just one more thing on this. Um, Draymond Green at this point in his career, I'm, I'm not saying he should have punched Jordan Poole, but at this point in his career, Jordan Poole does not have the type of career where he's where he can say those type of things to Draymond Green, in my opinion. And I don't understand how no one was stepping in and saying, dude, you've been on this team for two years. You need to be quiet. You know, um, let me jump in because I have it's been a couple of days since I've looked into it, but I have not found anything too definitive on like for sure what started this. So do you do you know something that I don't? So so the so the okay yeah to your point to your point of course this is all just hearsay, but at the same time no one is denying it. Okay, I mean so like no one has come out and said this isn't what happened. 
but apparently, apparently there was a part where where Jordan where they were missing free where they had to do this thing where everybody had to hit enough free throws or whatever else, but everybody'd run. And Draymond misses his free throws because Draymond hasn't had a shot since 2016. <laughs> and so um, they have to run. And so like Jordan Poole's giving him heck for that. And so at one point, which I think this was the fu- I, this was funny in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, just you probably don't need to say it. But he said, you know, when you were at Michigan State, you know, were were all the girls really impressed with all those triple singles you were pulling down? And then apparently the thing that set Draymond off is like, you're not even going to be here next year. You're going to be broke and playing in Sacramento. And if he actually said that, <laughs> if he actually said that, somebody needs to walk up to Jordan Poole and be like, that guy's got four rings. That guy's got two Defensive Player of the Year awards you need to step back. Okay. You know, you're, you're, you're a 19, four and four guy. Okay. Um, there are literally hundreds of you, you know, and I'm not saying I don't like Jordan Poole as a player. I think Jordan Poole is a great player, but, uh, there are, there are way more Jordan Pools in the league than there are Draymond Greens. And yeah, there's, there's one Draymond Green. Yeah. Literally just one. And, and of course the other thing we, we might have to consider here, you know, um, is the Ben Wallace effect, which is, you know, Ben Wallace, had several good years in Detroit, and then he went to Chicago, and Chicago had no idea how to use him, and then he kind of faded out. Um, yeah. You know, that could that could happen with Draymond. You know, Draymond might be a system player, but at the same time, he's very important to that system. Um, so, I, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that that's why I, that's what I've read. Um, if, if that's not true, I'm sorry. Either sure. way, it does look like Jordan was jawing at Draymond, and Draymond, you know, had enough of it yeah so uh, i had heard some of the i had definitely heard triple single pop up a few times so there there certainly could be some uh truth to that and then the other thing that i had heard and i think stephen curry actually came out and said that this had nothing to do with it but you never know if you can believe the stuff that the players say taken up for their teammates was that he was just jawing about how much money he was about to make because he knew that extension was almost certainly coming at the end of this offseason, which it did. He's getting paid a lot, and we can talk about whether he should get paid as much as he is going to, but uh, it sounded like the paycheck that was about to come his way was getting to his head. Yeah, you know what's interesting, though? and you, you that's It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, you bring Steph Curry up on this, because Steph Curry has gone out of his way in everything I've read and everything he said has gone out of his way not to defend Draymond. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, the entire organization, the fact that he's not getting suspended, they they really feel like they are very much protecting him. Which I mean, it has it's not that surprising, but it, it has felt very odd to me. It's it, it's just weird because like you know, I I don't I don't like to I don't like to pull in you know, too many people, but there, there are several commentators who are, who have basically said it almost feels like the team is tired of Draymond. Like this is the third thing, because if you look at, if you look at it from the perspective of in 2016, he costs you a title. Yep. Um, essentially. I mean, you're up three, one, you're winning <laughs> and there's a, there's a double T that gets you suspended, uh, that also, uh, swerves that entire game five. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So whether you cost your tire or not, the, the that that playoff series hinges on that moment. Um, then you've also got he drives Kevin Durant out supposedly, and now you've got he's punching a guy who's three years in the league when he's 34, 35 years old. You know, so like what I'm, you know, like there's a there is this undercurrent it seems where it's just like the team's like, man, I don't know, you know, like is 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 nine seven and ten worth this you know uh you know because because it really is one of those things where i think he is extremely important to the team um i don't think the i I think he's underrated to what he brings that offense um you know uh everybody you know I, i i love bill simmons but he was like you know you don't think you can find someone else to do dribble handoffs well no i don't think you can you know dribble handoffs actually harder than you think it is um, particularly right, for he does so many things that are way more important than dribble handoffs. Right, he's, right. What, yeah, key to that defense. So yeah, the the dribble handoffs are replaceable. But yeah, the the running the offense quickly and intelligently is not the defense that he brings is not. Uh, pretty certain he's their assist leader. You're not gonna find a guy who can do all of those things and also be so. Uh, or I mean, he's probably too passive on offense at times. But like, he's not a guy that's gonna be upset if he takes three or four shots in a game. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and I mean, that's, that's kind of his role and he, he accepts his role. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I would do in the situation. Okay. But it does seem like, and I, and I, I don't want to end it kind of there because I know we, we both probably have thoughts on golden state later on too, but like, but it does, it, that, that has been one of the weirder, weirder things that's happened. You know, you come off, come off of a win, you know, and there's like this little bit of, there's a little bit of talk of like, you know, are you going to pay Draymond or not? But most people are like, ah, oh, yeah, they're going to pay pay Draymond. You've got three, base, you got three guys on rookie contracts that have all been different levels of impressive. You know, that are that are your seventh, eighth, ninth best people on the team. You re-sign Iggy, you know, you just, I mean, just like all these like little things you would think, you know, oh yeah, they're, they're going to repeat. I mean, they're, you know, who's going to stop them, you know, and uh, just have that all thrown away because two guys get into a fight in their practice is just hilarious. Uh, basketball is weird, folks. That's just all I can say about that. All right. Uh, question from you, Chase. All right. So uh, we talked that we may overlap a little bit. So I've got two questions locked and loaded. Do you are any of your questions Laker related? None of mine are Laker related, but I do have. Right. I, but we'll be talking about the Lakers. Oh, I'm sure we will be. But let me go ahead and uh, make us talk about them for this. One of, if not my biggest question for, uh, I don't know how good they'll be regardless. So it shouldn't be my biggest. But a big question for me is when and how will Russell Westbrook be traded? Because to me, it's it's not so much if it is going to be when. Uh, so I, I want to know what kind of package happens there and how that, what those ripple effects do to the rest of the league. So what's interesting here. So I was going to, I was going to talk about this uh, when we were doing our picks uh, for the Western conference, because I'll go in and do some spoiler alerts here, but they are, they're my wild card team. Um, not necessarily because I think of how good they are, because I think as constructed, they are, probably the ninth best team in the Western conference. I think it's probably fair. Eight, nine was probably where I'd have them. Um, because I do think Russ at this point in his career is that detrimental to the team. There were 
times last year where it just he just you know <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a russell westbrook defender from way back uh i you know i think the the guy averaged uh, three he has three seasons where he averaged triple double i mean I, you can't really take that away from anybody whether they're stat going after own stats or not but the problem with russell westbrook is he's, he's going to do russell westbrook things wherever he goes he's not going to accept a a smaller role. And even in that smaller role, he's still going to do the Russ Westbrook stuff. And so you've got to get rid of him. So the package, you know, one of the things that was interesting is uh, Ryan Rosillo was talking about like, you know, you don't trade Russell Westbrook and two unprotected first for Miles Turner and Buddy Hill in this climate. And I think they're right. And, you know, I think for a while there, I was like, why aren't they, you know, why aren't they trying to get this done before the season? And I think I have a reason. And so, like, no one else that I know of has said this, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and drop it right now, all right? And I want you to tell me, because I, I did a lot of research into this. So if we get to the midpoint of the season, and let's say the Lakers, with Russell Westbrook playing 15 minutes a game, are somehow in the 5-6-7 seed. We get to the midpoint of the season, and they are in the five, six, seven seed, and the Brooklyn Nets are a disaster, which I 100% think they will be. Can you name a better trade for Kevin Durant than Russell Westbrook and two first-rounders? And the reason I bring this up is they have their pick this year. They have the Rockets pick this year. They have their pick next year. And if... They if they don't resign Kyrie Irving, they go into next year with around, and they get Russell Westbrook. They go into next year with around sixty million dollars. They can do whatever they want with. So you tell me, is there a better trade out there if both those things happen? If the Nets are just a just horrible, is there a better trade out there for Kevin Durant than Westbrook and those two unprotected first rounders? I really I have to think there would be. Well, then name it. Well, so. Of course, we are a couple of months removed from it, but I mean, people were floating Jalen Brown, Derek White, Grant Williams, and two firsts for Kevin Durant. Like the offers, like the aggregators, the people coming up with stuff on the trade machines online, like those were very, very good offers. Offers yeah. that are multiple times better than that deal. There's a reason none of those got done. The Raptors would not give them Scotty Scotty Barnes. The Celtics would not give them Jalen Brown. I don't know if the Celtics would give them anything close to Jalen Brown. Um, so I, I I don't know. Maybe that really is that his uh, value, his trade value in the league has dropped that much. But I I don't like that. That would very much shock me. That'd be something obviously that the Lakers should look into. Um, and, uh, to your point, no one is going to be all that shocked if Brooklyn starts the season like four and nine or five and 15 or whatever you want to say, like Brooklyn could start to implode and look to bust up some of its pieces. So, I mean, I'm not going to say a Kevin Durant trade is off the table, but you, you've really surprised me. I wasn't sure how surprised I was going to be by the things that you said, but you've already knocked me on the floor. I spent the last two days trying to come up with a better trade 
than that one. And the reason the reason the Scotty Barnes thing doesn't make any sense is because the Raptors believe Scotty Barnes is Kevin Durant anyway. The reason Jalen Brown doesn't make any sense is because the Celtics believe they're contenders without Kevin Durant, and they don't want to deal with Kevin Durant. They, I mean, that, that's the honest truth. Okay, the the Celtics organization, in my opinion, does not want to deal with Kevin Durant. He has proven to be a very moody player who, if he doesn't get what he wants, starts asking for trade. He's, he's asked out of good situations and then has made himself into a bad situation and is asking out of the situation he made himself. The Celtics don't want to deal with that, especially with all the stuff they're dealing with right now. So I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot think of one. The only one that comes close, the only one that comes close is the, uh, is the Bridges Phoenix Suns trade. Um, but but even with that, when you're what you're betting on with that trade, once again, is you're betting on the fact that Phoenix is going to be bad in the next two years because you would want to get good value out of those picks. And if you trade Durant to the Lakers, I don't think he stays there past LeBron. And I mean, the 2029 pick at that point, I mean, if Durant is still Durant 2029, then then we got to start looking at him as being a top 10 player of all time at that point. So that 2029 pick, in my opinion, is a locked lottery pick. It just has to be because by that point, LeBron's gone. Durant is not Durant. Lord knows what Anthony Davis is at that point. You know, maybe Austin Reeves is like a perennial all-star. But like, other than that, that 2029 pick is a lottery pick. And I can't think of a more, I can't think of a more locked situation because you, if you're Brooklyn, then you can look at it like this. You can go. I've got lottery pick, lottery pick, $60 million, lottery pick, lottery pick. <laughs> so that's how you can do that. And the reason I, the reason I'm, I think this, this makes sense, at least, it, it, and it's not just like, by the way, Chase, because I know everyone here knows I'm a, a Laker fan. Chase, just, just go out with me. You understand how much it hurts me to say that the Lakers will trade for Kevin Durant. You do realize that, right? Yeah, I, uh, um, not seeing that being something that you are just incredibly happy about. No, I would not. I would not be excited. This would not be an, an exciting moment for me. You know, uh, the the Lakers team, a Lakers team with Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Patrick Beverly, uh, is probably my personal nightmare. But um, but the idea of like if you're Brooklyn, you've basically just done what Boston did a few years ago where they went lottery pick, lottery pick, lottery pick, and turned those picks into Marcus Smart, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Not in that order, but you know what I mean. So, like, it, and now they're perennial finals contenders. So if that if that's your idea, you know, and you can add, and once again, you've got financial flexibility, you know, where you can maybe grab people. I don't think you can grab, like, a Jokic. I don't think you can grab, like, a, a Giannis. But, like, maybe you can grab somebody like a Chris Middleton or something like that. Add that to the situation. I mean, you can build a very good team very quickly, but you've got to get all these boneheads out of the way. <laughs> I mean, that's the honest truth. You have to get all those guys out of the way. And and I I'm telling you, if 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 it is a disaster, if it's a disaster, and the Lakers are in contention, that's that's a trade you're going to hear a lot about because it's it's the best one out there because none of these other guys are going to do it. Particularly, I mean, because the Scotty Barnes thing, if if Toronto ends up being a four seed, which is very much in play, if that's a thing that happens, they're not going to trade Scotty Barnes. And I don't think there's any any world where Jalen Brown gets traded at this point. If they'd wanted to do that, they would have done it already. And I can't think of any other trades. That's why I was asking you, because I can't think of any more. Like, they're just not there. 
I, I agree with you for now, and it depends on what level of player you're trying to get and look at. But um, if, if I remember it, my next question will kind of feed into that. So I, I do think some trades will become available if they're not available now. Okay. I mean, that, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I don't see them, you know, and, and I do think, you know, that, you know, one of the, you know, I, I, I do think there's, there's going to be a lot of, you know, situations where, you know, if, if they start off bad that Kevin Durant, he won't ask for a, a trade, you know, during the season, but I think he'll be pushing for it. And you'll have that kind of pressure there as well. Um, so I don't know, I, but but anyway, for the Lakers, to me, I, Westbrook. I mean, yeah, that Westbrook and those picks are going to get moved. They're going to move somewhere. Um, it's just a matter of where and when. Um, but that was the that was the trade to me that made the most sense. You know, if you were if if, if you were trying to build a team around LeBron James. Yeah. Um, and, uh... If if that's all you've got on that, I don't really have a great answer for it. You you pretty well I, I don't ask that question thinking that the correct answer is sitting there right in my face right now. I think whatever that trade ends up being may end up surprising me. But one reason why I don't think that trade got done in the offseason is that Russ's value is probably the lowest it's been in his entire career. And they are going to ask him for, like, please, just for three weeks, be the player that we wanted you to be when you got here. Just put on a brave face and play a little bit better for the first few weeks of the season. Maybe we can convince some team that you're worth being on a roster. Yeah, see, I, I don't I don't think they're asking him that at all. And the reason I say it is because he's not starting. I mean, I, re- I legitimately think tonight he's going to play 15, 15 minutes. I agree with you, but I think that is the best role for him right now. Like, I, 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 he should not I, I be doing do, more but, than that. But value-wise, I think his value is you can put him on a team before the trade deadline, and you can guarantee that next year $35 million is just off the table. That's your that's where your value is because the yeah. ability to clear that much cap space that quickly is a mm-hmm. big deal in, in the NBA right now. Um, yeah, I agree. But, like, I just believe he is viewed as definitively a negative right now, whereas they might try to convince some people that, yes, his salary is pretty exorbitant. That's not a great part of what's going on with him. But if he, he's willing to buy into a role, and even if he's not performing to his salary, he is making your basketball team better, and that is not something that he's done in a while. Yeah, I I don't I don't see that. <laughs> I, I think I think any any anyone he gets traded to, he's just not playing. Um, and on any of the, I mean, because like if you if you look at the Indiana situation, he's not going to play for Indiana. Indiana wants a tank. You know, Westbrook yeah. is not a tanker. For whatever whatever we want to say about Westbrook, he's going to go one hundred percent all the time. Okay, so he he's not going he's not going to tank. So you're not going to put him out there. You know, because you don't want him still in a win for you. Yeah, you know, and, and same if same if you went to, I mean, and I mean if the Brooklyn thing goes, through, Brooklyn's not going to put him out there. I mean, Brooklyn's not going to play him with Kyrie Irving. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, I mean, like that's just that's just the thing that is is not. I w- I'm confident it's not. I don't I don't know if Westbrook is in the league after this year. Um, I think I think we're looking at a similar situation to Carmelo and Dwight, where it's just like, you know, you 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 had you had good things you did. 
But now that you don't have the ability to do those good things, you have not adjusted to the point where we want you anymore. You know, both of those players that you mentioned, Mello and Dwight, lasted much beyond their useful time period in the NBA. Uh, And and Mello eventually became, I mean, not that he was super valuable late in his career, but he did do what I was talking about with Russell Westbrook, where he he's not amazing, but he he's a role player that can come in and at least not sink you. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I would argue he had to jettison two teams before he got to that point, and the Rockets and the uh, Thunder. But that, but but okay, yeah, sure, yes, he, he absolutely did. And he did. I, so right now, I think that trajectory is exactly where Westbrook is. Like he he's on a team where he's not very well wanted he's not really contributing in any positive way um for a while a lot of people did not think that westbrook had any chance of doing something positive and contributing and uh that that's kind of where we are with him right now all right well we'll we'll we'll, we'll drop that like i said that's yeah, we got for now yeah, that's Russell Westbrook talk. yeah um okay i've got one that has, doesn't have anything to do with trades okay Right. Which player going in their second year hits another gear? Oh, okay. I had not given much, all that much thought to last year's rookies. I've given a lot of thought because I think it's probably one of the best rookie classes I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I bet we are going to have the same answer. I'll be a little bit surprised if we don't, but you're going to like mine regardless. Uh, For me, it is Cade Cunningham. He came on so strong at the end of last year. You and I had conversations about who was going to be rookie of the year, and I told you he should be third or even fourth um, in that voting. And that was a little bit before the voting happened. So, like, by the time the vote happened, he continued that strong late-season push and rightfully put himself to where he was in conversation to go first and win the award and should still be top three. Um, but he had some heavier struggles than I think some people expected, but he adjusted to what he was seeing in the NBA. Like the struggles that he was having, he started to mitigate a little bit. He really came on, and I, I just think he has a gear that some of these other guys don't. Uh, so you look at like Scotty Barnes, for instance, I, I, I think he has the higher floor, than Cunningham does, but I think Cade Cunningham has like the the that dude, like he has that dog in him kind of guy. I think he's going to continue to make improvements, and he could easily be looking like he was it was justifiably the number one pick for him. Yeah, so Cade is my pick too. Um, I love Cade Cunningham. There's a fantastic article on the Ringer right now talking about the Pistons this year um, that really made me a Pistons fan. Uh, shout out to Al Mattingly. Uh, for that. Um, but it was basically an article about Cade and what Cade means to this team and how he's, you know, rooming with uh, Jaden Ivey and how he's, um, you know, uh, for, you know, I mean, just typical stuff you always hear about leaders of the team, you know, uh, working with everybody, you know, um, you know, complimenting, you know, being, being, you know, being the, the motivator for the team and stuff like that. Um, I really like the guy's game. Um, I even, even when he was having his struggles, I loved his ability to get to the basket um, in two steps, um, which I thought was fantastic. 
Um, and I really loved his his ability uh, towards the end of towards the end of last season, where he started showing some interesting, you know, being able to you know get around picks and and uh, get get three point shots off. If he can get a three point shot into a 39 percent level, which I think is definitely up there, I think he could he's going to be a fantastic player this year. But I, but I do just for just for funsies, I do want to give you another guy. It's not a big surprise, you know. I'm real high on this guy as well, uh, Evan Mobley. I love Evan Mobley's game. Um, here's the thing, uh, Chase. When when Evan Mobley and Jared Allen went out last year, the Cleveland Cavaliers were the second best team in the Eastern Conference when they went down, and then that's when they fell apart. Um, you know, so like there's a there's a lot to be said about Evan Mobley's ability to defend and and to defend not only at the basket but also his ability to switch on to perimeter players. I mean, he's just got a lot going for him. I really like uh, his attitude. I like his ability to to do a lot of things on defense. I would like him to maybe add uh, just one move on offense. You know, just like anything, like a like a a you know a turnaround jumper or something. Um, you know, because I do think you know, obviously, for him to really turn into this, you know, poor man's Tim Duncan, and everybody thinks he's going to be. Um, you've got to add something offensively, and he's not bad. He just kind of gets lost on offense. He doesn't have any moves with the basketball. Uh, it really seems um, he's got a soft touch around the rim, but like you know, if if you give him the ball 15 feet out, um, he really doesn't have a whole lot he can do with it. But I, I wonder, you know, he's he's got a great motor, uh, another hard worker. I really want to see you know what he adds to this Cleveland team. Especially since uh, you know he's he's got a nice uh, pick and roll partner in Donovan Mitchell there. You know if he wants to, uh, if you know if that's a thing they want to try and run a lot of. Um, not that he didn't have a good one with Darius Garland. You know that Cleveland Cavaliers team, I assume, is going to come up again as well. But um, uh, but I, 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 that's a guy I really uh, I, I I agree with. You. I think Cade's the guy that's probably going to make the leap. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't. But uh, well, I really like a lot of the stuff that you said about Mobley. Um, I, I love that you brought up Tim Duncan because he was the guy that was in my head during this conversation, uh, just for various reasons. And then NBA players notoriously go into the offseason and they're working on one or two things. Like they are going to find one or two weaknesses in their game, a couple of things to improve. So you you got to think that Mobley has something that he was working on. Hopefully he can translate something offensively. Uh, I would assume that's one of them, especially because defense isn't the easiest thing to work on other than the athleticism and the instincts. So I think he's going to do it. Uh, There is kind of a a trope that I hear in the NBA a lot of like a superstar is the hardest thing to find in the NBA. So, So like I was talking with Cade, I think he can be that guy. But I think there's a case like there's this sneaky other player, not that Mobley doesn't have the upside to be a superstar, but uh, the player like the the prime Draymond Green or who I think Mobley can be, where he feels like just the most out-of-place superstar role player, <laughs> where he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. He's not going to kill you if he does, and he can make stuff happen when it's there. But he is just elite, elite, elite on defense and then is at least average on offense because that fits so well with someone who's talented on ball. Like, Donovan Mitchell is not that guy, but because of the player that Evan Mobley is, I think that Donovan Mitchell 
he and Donovan Mitchell can really work well together because Mitchell's the guy that wants the ball. Mitchell is the guy that's going to be scoring and doing a lot of their playmaking. Uh, and because you have that perfect piece with him in Mobley, you are correct. They are going to come up again. Yeah, I, I really like that team. I like Mobley. Um, two guys we didn't mention, uh, I guess, to round out our top four from last year. Um, I love Scotty Barnes. I'm a big Scotty Barnes fan. Uh, I, you know, I, I have no issue with him winning rookie of the year. Um, I'm like you. I think Cade's a little bit, might be a little bit more of a, you know, the the you you talk about get having that dog in him. Uh, a little bit more of that from Cade, but I don't know. I mean, Barnes, you know, Barnes did real well in a very limited role. I do wonder if Toronto is going to open up the open up the floor for him a little more uh, this year since he showed what he could do in a very limited role. Maybe he takes some of Pascal's touches. Uh, you know, maybe he takes, you know, some of the touches away from Fred Van Fleet this year, you know, um, because, I mean, that's the thing. But I like both those players. But if either one of those players is your number one, I don't think you're going very far uh, in the playoffs. So uh, I think he's someone to look for. Um, and then I'll, I I think you're a fan of this guy. I, I, I thought I heard you talking about, you know, what do you think about Franz Wagner? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So uh, one of the biggest cases I've made for him, because we talked about him, he's one of the guys that early on last year I thought, like, you just have no uh, choice but to put him over Cade for a good portion of last year because he was, I think, the only rookie who was top 10 in, like, literally every statistic. Like, he was top 10 rookie in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, literally all of those. Uh, but he just seemed really good. I, he's one that I feel like he's kind of already performing close to his professional ceiling. Obviously, he can get better. He can make improvements to his game. But the improvement that we are projecting for guys like Cade and even Barnes and Mobley, I don't think Wagner has that. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player for a long time. But, I, I, I mean, do I think he's ever going to make an all-star team? Probably not. Do I think he's ever going to be all NBA? No. Uh, I, I very much like him. I thought he had a phenomenal rookie year, uh, maybe third or fourth best out of all of those rookies. He just doesn't project as that kind of ceiling guy. But, yeah, I love Franz. I think uh, I think all four of the guys we mentioned could make all-star teams. Um, you know, uh, of course, the thing about all-star team is, like, you know, I don't know if that means anything because, like, you have injuries and stuff or random people get on there. Jamal McGlure, man, all-star team randomly. So, um, yeah, but I, I do. I think all four of those guys could earn an all-star um, Bert, uh, an all-star uh, uh, team. Um, what's interesting about uh, about Franz, of course, is, like, he might be the perfect – I mean, like, if, if, if you were going to have a player to play with, uh, with uh, a Ron, uh, Monchero – wouldn't it be Franz Wagner? I mean, I mean isn't, that, isn't that the guy you want? A guy who can, you know, who can hit from every, who can shoot from everywhere, but who can also pass from from everywhere as well. Who who can move off the ball real well. Who's you know not. I mean, because I mean, Paolo is going to want the ball, you know. And I, I, I wonder it, that might be one of the better, you know, we we might look back, you know, at this Orlando and be like, man, they nailed two draft picks, just knocked them out of the park, uh, you know, which is hard to do back to back. Um, well, any, anyway, I, 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 we're, 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 we're running quick. Uh, Chase, one more question from you, man. All right. So mine that I am going to remember to bring tie this back up uh, is just 
what is going to happen with the lottery, with the play-in, with these like middle to bad teams, with Victor Wimbanyama and the rest of this 2023 rookie class looming? Uh, there are very few teams that we think are going to start the year pretty much tanking. Talked about the, the Pacers are probably going to look that way. You might see the Thunder look that way. Um, I think the Jazz and the Spurs are on their way to do it, even if the Jazz have good players that are still kind of like sadly stuck on their roster. But, I mean, there are like 25 teams in the NBA that are actively trying to make the playoffs right now already. Uh, but it, I feel like this year more than any is going to be the year where teams flip that switch fast. So, yes. I mean, uh, you're going to have to monitor which teams have their own picks because, of course, there's – really no point in tanking if somebody else has your pick but those teams that do have their own pick if they start a little bit shy of 500 if you've got a team like portland who i think if they're really trying they should probably at least make the play in what if they start off and they are just the 10th seed or they're in the position of being like 11 12 and they're just pushing to make a play-in run uh, there, there's an argument of like, why would you try to do that when this draft class looks so good? And the number one guy, I mean, people are always trying to find the next LeBron, but you're hearing a lot about that, not in skill set, but in value that they can bring to the team. So uh, there could be an injury to a team that sets them into a little mini one-year tank. I don't know, but I, I think we're going to see some really weird stuff going on in the middle to bottom of the NBA rankings. So I've got so for me at the beginning of the season, Spurs are tanking, Pacers are taking tanking, Thunder are tanking, and Jazz are tanking. I think those four are guaranteed tanks. I think Hornets uh, it'll take them about ten games and they'll be like, mm, this isn't working, and they're going to tank. Um, so I think those five teams right there are your five in the running. Um, a team that should be tanking, you've already mentioned, in my opinion, is Portland. I hate that team as it's constructed. I don't understand what that team is trying to do. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it, looks like, it looks like they're trying to run uh, Dame McCollum 2.0. Um, the problem is Dame at this point is five years older than he was when that, when that was working. And Anthony Simons. I think is a, probably a fine player. I don't know if he's CJ CJ McCollum. So you know, I think that's a team that I think you're right should look at tanking. Um, to but I think you're right. I think the the weird ones are going to be. I've already mentioned Brooklyn, but I mean, there's even listen. I know you don't want to hear because I know you, they're in your top four. You know, and I know there a lot of people don't want to hear this, but like, let's say this Clippers thing falls apart. I mean, the Clippers the Clippers are built on this precipice. That is that has been like we're going to surround, you know. If this team will be very good if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, but this team could go really, really badly if Kawhi and Paul George are not healthy. Because you look at their roster; it's a good roster, but it's not a roster that's built to to, to exist without those two players. Because you take those guys off the team, like is is, is Avika Zubak going to get all your touches at that point? Like, I mean, how does that team work? And so, like, you, you're one catastrophic injury away. Also, I mean, is Kawhi – Kawhi's not even – I mean, he has no timetable for his return, right, still? Am I correct on that? I, I have not heard an update, so I couldn't tell you, but uh, sure. 
Yeah, sure, exactly. Well, here's the thing: if if we, I'll, I'll put it this way, we would have we would have seen it. We would have seen an update if he was going to play this week, right? I mean, we would oh, yeah. that would have made. So that's what I'm saying. You know, you've got all these teams that have thrown all their chips in right here, okay? Because the thing is, is like the the way the talent is in the NBA right now is. Not only, I think this is probably the most talented I've ever seen in the NBA uh, in my lifetime, and I, and I've lived through I lived through the dream team. So this is the most talent I've ever seen, and it, this also has the most vast swath of talent. Where like even a team that is like where like when when I was when I when I was really watching basketball in the nineties, you know, like the Clippers were really bad, and their best player was Lloyd Vaught. You know, nobody even knows who that player is. Okay. But, like, this year, like, you could have the Charlotte Hornets could be the third worst team in the league, but they've got LaMelo Ball. I mean, LaMelo Ball is a fantastic player, you know? So, like, the the way the talent is spread out, everyone's pushing their chips in because everybody thinks they've, they've got a shot. And I wonder, it's, it's not so much which teams are going to break down, but I wonder when when they hit that wall. Like, wh- which, which teams are going to figure it out when they hit that wall? Because, like... You know, San, like I said, San Antonio's got their got the got the head start. That is a. I mean, have you looked at their roster recently, Chase? <laughs> uh, I definitely did at some point over the offseason. Just it's to be just, like, wait, I don't know now that Dejounte Murray is gone. Who in the world is playing for the Spurs? It's just a. It's just a weird. Well, and Lonnie Walker. I mean, I, I thought you know, I thought Lonnie. He's on the Lakers now, but I thought Lonnie Walker was a you know a solid. Player, yeah. you know? and the Celtics um, grabbed Derek White from him last year. So right, I mean, like a lot like, of the guys that I knew about him, gone. It's just a weird mishmash of just like role players that you know. I, I mean, it, it, you used to look at the roster and you're like, man, are they going to put 80 points on the board? You know, it's like it's it just it's just weird. It's like they've got your head start. Um, I think the Pacers want uh, who who gets Buddy Hill and Miles Turner, who I think both could be the fourth best player on a, on a, on a championship contending team. I think both of those guys could do that. Whoever gets those players, you know, um, I, I t- you know, the jazz, man, I mean, you know, Mike Conley's a piece that's out there, you know, I mean, I, I think he'd be a solid piece for somebody, but you've got to get rid of him because he's not going to, he's, he's a guy that doesn't tank, you know, Conley's not going to tank. So, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, to me, the interesting thing will be like how long some of these teams run this. You know, the weird thing is you're you're going to have to keep up with who has their own picks because you mentioned the yeah. Clippers. If the Clippers get the n- number one pick, that goes to the Thunder. Of course it does. Yeah, of course. Uh, it does. Yeah. If Brooklyn were, they're another team that is kind of in this situation of. It, you could easily see things going wrong, but they can't tank because if they get the number one pick, their pick goes to Houston from that James Harden trade. Right. And then, uh, but your Clippers, if they get the your Clippers, your Lakers, if they get the number one pick, that goes to the Pelicans. Like those are three teams that you could make a case for, depending on the scenario, being in a position to tank, but they cannot because they're if their pick's good, they don't get it. Uh, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's uh, but. Brooklyn's pick is uh, top eight protected. Okay, so, so I'm on the website that I'm looking at. It is Brooklyn's is one of the most complicated. <laughs> but yeah. um, what I was seeing under Houston and maybe, well, some of the protections are on here. So maybe this 
uh, pick just or this website isn't the best. But um, all I'm seeing is that Houston gets the more favorable pick of Houston and Brooklyn. Well, so the thing, so what was interesting is, and at, at the beginning of, uh, I think it was uh, the one of the articles I read was August twentieth, and it was just this really small line where Brooklyn was like, "We're we're take we're gonna we're gonna claim the twenty twenty three pick, which is supposedly top eight protected, which means I would assume that means that that gets shunted to twenty twenty four, but but I could be listen don't don't take don't take me a gospel on that. Okay, because like I could have read that wrong because theirs is very confusing because you've got them involved and you've also got uh, um, well, you, yeah, because you've got you uh, Philly, yeah, Philly. Thank you. you've got Philly involved as well too. So I can't. So I don't know. I don't know how that uh, how that totally plays out. But I thought I saw it was top eight protected, but I but I could be wrong on that. Either way, look. Either way, to your to your point, uh, it's going to be a mess. It, it, it's going. It's going to be a mess because there's going to be a point where a lot of these teams are going to realize around. I say around a month before the All Star break, they're going to realize, okay, we're not going to make any headway here. And when that happens, that's when you're going to see a lot of trades go down. Um, and so, like, and and so then it becomes then it becomes something else. Chase, a bonus question. You know, then it becomes like which contenders, you know, are willing to sacrifice a piece to get a dollar fifty on the dollar. You yeah. know, because that because that that's that's where it's going to happen. So like, so you know, let's reverse this. Let's say the Clippers are good, not great. Okay, so like they're let's say they're like a sixty. You know, um, Kawhi's come back, but he's eighty percent of what he was. Um, Paul George is up and down because he's Paul George, uh, and the rest of the players aren't quite there. Um, you know, are they in the running for, let's say, well, Buddy Hill would be a great pickup there. You know, if we could run Paul George as a, as a four or Kawhi as a four, we could run something very similar to what the Celtics run or Miles Turner's great pickup there because he's, he's a, I, I love Zubak. It sounds like I'm hating on Zubak, but he's a, he's an upgrade over Zubak. You know, I mean, there's a lot of real interesting situations out there. Um, I think that's a good question. I, I really don't know, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, we just don't know. That's that's a hard one to answer. But it's one that's going to be on the back of my mind. Yeah, like I said, uh, really both of my questions are questions that I don't think the answer exists right now. Like, if anybody right. tried to answer that question for me with something that they think is going to happen, I, I just don't think. Like, I think it's going to be very unpredictable. I just know something is going to happen with both of those things. Right. A lot of fun speculation there, though, I think. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. Um, okay. Let's go to uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference here. Um, we both have top four picks. Okay. We're gonna do our top four. All right. Let's, we're not picking everything. Yep. Um, but we're gonna do top four. Okay. So let's go on. Chase, give me your top four, and then I'll give you my top four, and then we'll start with we'll start with the ones we agree on, and we'll leave the ones that we disagree on uh, for for the end. Okay. Okay. So let me. I'm gonna play. I kind of did this for both the East and the West. I felt pretty good about three teams. Um, West, I was like two and a half. And then the the fourth one was really tricky. So let me see if my top three is the same as your top three. Okay. okay. So do you have, in some order, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly? Yes. Okay. So I figured we would agree on that. Uh, my fourth one, so I just threw all of them out there. Uh, the fourth one that I landed on is the Miami Heat. 
Okay. The fourth one I landed on, because uh, I'm just I'm just sticking with them, is uh, the Toronto Raptors. Okay. So okay, so so we'll so so let, let's start. Okay, I, I want to start here. Okay, because in a weird way, I trust the Toronto Raptors a little bit more than I trust the Philadelphia 76ers. So. So I <laughs> so so I want so but we both got them in our top three and I'm assuming a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's hard to, it's just hard to kick Joel and beat out of the top three. I mean, is that really what it is? Yeah, and, and I mean they did. It just seems like they have some positive momentum. Like they go out and they get PJ Tucker, and he he's just one of those guys that he's gonna be. He's a good guy to have if you're gonna be in the playoffs. Like. They they made a couple of moves. They dropped Danny Green, but I feel like it was ancient Danny Green who's not that helpful for them anymore. Uh, you've got Tyrese Maxey who's in position to make a leap forward, uh, and then you just never know about James Harden, and you know exactly what Tobias Harris is. Uh, yeah. So, like, they were already a pretty decent team last year. I think a lot of people had them in the top four then, and it feels like they should or at least could be better this year than last. It just the thing about the Sixers. It just seems like they're a team that gets punked out a lot. <laughs> they just, I mean, they really like you. Just had like last year, you know, like Jimmy Butler dropping that fantastic game on them, and then like going to the locker room saying they paid Tobias Harris over me, and just like, yep. you know, just yeah. I mean, like they should be made fun of for that, you know. And it just seems like they they they're a team that just does not have this strength to get much further than where they're already are at. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, I think, I think Embiid is a fantastic player. I know you do as well, but I also know me and you both have serious questions about him because yes, it does seem in the playoffs, both health right. and just like, he's never made it to an Eastern conference finals. No. And so like, to me, there's, there, there's questions there because it's like, and maybe one of the questions becomes, you know, do they need to invest in a guy who can take 15 minutes off of his playing time in the play, in the regular season? They tried it's, to do that with Al Horford, maybe, and that did not work. Yeah, well, they also tried to play him and Al Horford together a bit. That too, was I, don't know, issue. I, don't know why, I don't know why they did that. Yeah, and yeah, I don't understand. Uh, and that one, you know, here's. You know, this is this is Doc Rivers, you know, uh, redo uh, 4.0 here. Um, you know, I, Bill Simmons brought up a fantastic point about Doc Rivers. You know, basically it was said no guy since 2008 has had more talent and has found a way not to use it. And he might be correct on that. I mean, he this and so, I mean, you're looking at a team now where, you know, you're there's just no excuses. If you if you don't if you don't make at least these are conference finals this year. I don't know what you tell your fan base because you traded for James Harden. You got rid of the cancer, which is Ben Simmons. You know, you've got Joel Embiid, who is a top three player. You know, I'd say it's Jokic, Giannis, him in, in that order. Um, yeah. Or Well, Giannis and Jokic are 1A, 1B. I don't know where you want to put them. But anyway, I think he's three right there. I think he's right above Jason Tatum. Yeah, you can throw Stephen Curry in there if you want. But it, Luka, like that, that's probably the five. Yeah. So like I think I think that's your that that you know there that's who's right there. He's a dominant player when he wants to be it seems when he wants to be, but it seems like once he gets thrown off his game just a little bit, he just 
he just melts down. And, and I mean, and you, you've added James Harden to that mix who is known for melting down. So I don't know. What, what do you think their ceiling is, Chase? Yeah, so I'm glad you said all of the key points that I was going to make sure we didn't miss. Uh, like that team, it's, I don't quite view them the same way, but there are a lot of parallels with that team and last year's Utah Jazz team. Right. I had the Utah Jazz in my top four last year. I did too. And it was really a, I know they're very good. I know they have a lot of good players and they could be the one seed, but I really don't, they're not going to win the finals. They're just kind of my de facto. They could be, they could easily be the one seed team. And this is put up or shut up time for them 100%. Because you've got, as mentioned, Embiid has never made the Eastern Conference Finals. He's really only had one postseason where it looked like they could do anything. And that was the 2019 Kawhi bounce year. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, like, the Celtics have kicked the tar out of them when they've played in the postseason. Uh, like you said, and they would have last year. What's that? They would have last year, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was not afraid of Philly last year. Uh, it, it was not something, as a Celtics fan, that I was like, that's fine. I mean, if they beat, if they had beaten the Heat, I think it would have not even probably been seven games. Like, it, I was not worried about it. Uh, and and they, so they've had a couple. I think they've played the 76ers twice, if not three times, in Embiid's in career in the postseason. Uh, and then, like, the Heat beat him last year. Some of that is Embiid health, which, I mean, it, he doesn't always finish the season healthy. But Embiid's never done it. Doc Rivers has, aside from 2008, had just absurd amounts of talent and rarely ever done it. Uh, and then you've got Harden, who has some of the worst postseason games in NBA history. Like, those are three guys that have not done it before with a little asterisk on rivers, obviously, but three guys that have a lot of bad playoff moments that should not have the, the negative parts of their careers that they do. So there are plenty of reasons not to trust them. It's just on paper. That team should be very good. Uh, MV, like you said, is probably a top three player. Uh, Harden should at least like flirt with all-star, even if he's not the all-NBA player that he used to be. Like I said, I really like Maxi. They made some good additions, uh, and they've just been there the last several years. I've heard a lot of people picking them to win the East and even make win the finals, which I'll go ahead and tell you, they're not the team that I have coming out of the East. I don't have them there, but their ceiling 100% is. If everything hits right, if Embiid is arguably the best player in the NBA. If Harden is at least not disappearing in these key moments, and then you've got Maxi is like this nice guy with juice on the ball and off the ball doing the stuff that he does, and then you just fill in the rest of the team with good, solid players, they can win the finals. Like their their ceiling's easily there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean I think I think that's a that's that's a uh, that's a good explanation of the Sixers right there as you're gonna get from anybody. Um, and I agree with you. I think I think their ceiling might be second round again. Um, I feel like if they're a third seed, uh, which is a, which is probably where I've got them, that means they probably run into your Celtics or the Bucks, and they're just not better than those guys. Um, so so yeah, I think I think um, I think third is uh, second second round. It's kind of where I where I have them. Um, so okay, uh, let's uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the Celtics for last. Let's talk about the Bucks. We so so the Bucks. I, I mean, I think uh, for me, 
So the Bucks are probably my pick to come out of the East. Is that is that a fair statement, Chase? Oh yeah, uh, they're going to be my pick to come out of the East too. Yeah. Uh, had the Celtics not had the weird Eme stuff in the off season, that would have been a much more difficult decision for me. But with that having happened, uh, they may be my favorites to win the finals. They're they're incredibly good. I did not think that it should have taken the Celtics seven games to beat them without Chris Middleton, but um, they're getting Chris Middleton back. Uh, I, I think this the healthy Celtics and then the Bucks without Chris Middleton, the Celtics should have been way better, but that's because they were missing their second best player. Chris Middleton's really good. He would have fixed some of the things that the, the Bucks were sorely missing in that series. They easily could have won the finals again last year had they ended up healthy. And then uh, you said Giannis and Jokic are like top two. I, I think it's uh, until I see something that says otherwise, Giannis is the clear one. I know Jokic is one back-to-back MVPs. The first one or one or both of them could have been a little bit of Giannis fatigue. Not that Jokic didn't deserve him. He's been. I mean, Giannis won back-to-back too. Yes. Yeah. He won the two yeah. before those. Um, but I, I just still think that Giannis is the most unstoppable and just purely the best player in the NBA right now. I mean, I do not know what you do with him. I was blown away with how well the Celtics handled him. I mean, Grant Williams, sometimes he looked like baked chicken out there on him, but he had a lot of huge plays. Al Horford worked pretty well. But that took – the Celtics are – Last year, they were the best defense we've seen in decades, I think. Like, statistically, and for a lot of people's eye test, the Celtics' defense was just otherworldly. And the only reason the Celtics were able to handle that is because the rest of the offense was not good. And Chris Middleton's going to fix a lot of that. Uh, They have a lot of continuity. They don't lose too many pieces. I I hate Grayson Allen, but he's still there. You've still got Bobby Portis, who returned on a deal. Uh they're going to bring back a better team than what finished the postseason for them, and they were probably the best team in the postseason healthy. Yeah, the thing, the thing about the Bucks this year that I, that I think is going to be key for them is I do not think um, that they're going to be lax during the regular season like they were last year. I think there, there was a little bit of this idea of, well, we don't have to get everybody healthy you know, uh, we just get them healthy for the playoffs. We don't need home home court advantage. You know, it's just because we've got Giannis. And Giannis, it doesn't matter. And I, I think, you know, it's not just home court advantage. It's also who you play. Um, if they're a one seed last year, they're playing the Sixers in the second round. They're not playing the Celtics. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a big difference in playing that Celtics team and playing that Sixers team, um, in my opinion. And so, you know, you, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm picking them is because I wonder if, you know, that entire organization should look at that and go, man, if we had just, you know, (laughs) pulled out six more wins, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're at the top and we're probably in the finals and we're probably beating Golden State because there's no one on that Golden State team that can stop Giannis because the Celtics, to your point, had one of the best defenses in history and they still, I mean, there were points where, I mean, Jonas is just manhandling, you know, and like, and, and we're, we're talking about, you know, we're, we're throwing, you know, you know, you've got four guys on that team that were getting defensive player of the year votes and none of them could do anything with, with Giannis. So I do wonder um, if, 
I, to me, I think they're going to come out and they're going to look in like we need to we need to kill everybody mode, and and that's that's where I, I you know that that's one of the reasons why I have them going going at least to the finals because I just I don't think they're they're going to be lax this year. Um, I I did I flipped back and forth between them and the Celtics though because I still think. Okay, all right, here, here's a question. Here's our in-between question before we really dive into the Celtics. Sure. All right, on paper, who's got the better team, the Bucks or the Celtics? If you guarantee me that both teams are healthy, and that's another key thing right. that kind of Gu- broke Gu- into Okay, here's guarantee you're getting at least 70 games from every player on both teams. Who's got well, the and better? And also guarantee you they are healthy enough to play every game in the postseason. Right. That's more important to me. Robert right. Williams plays nothing in the regular season, but he's there for the postseason. That's I, I would take that. Uh, that is so tough. Uh, that is going to be one of those that I think I'm going to have the answer to that question in December or January. <laughs> if Tatum is a top eight player in the NBA, top maybe top five, and then Brown is at least definitively an all-star. I'll tell you, I'm watching the Celtics Sixers game right now. That's opening the NBA season. And uh, Jalen Brown's just so weird. I don't, he has not looked good tonight. Uh, So I'm hoping that this is just an off night for him. There's room for those two players to be good enough to where they're better. Uh, The, the tiebreaker just goes to Giannis because he is the best player. We've seen him do it. uh, Whereas we, we've seen him do it for long stretches of time. Whereas uh, Tatum, we've seen it for good stretches. He uh, his first team All NBA last year, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. just because uh, Embiid was mostly pictured as a center, so he ended up second team. Whereas Tatum, prob- they probably should have switched those, but that's how the positions work for All NBA. Uh, and Jalen Brown's only made one All Star team, which. I, I kind of hate that for him. I feel like he should have done more. He would have made one last year if the Celtics didn't look like garbage the first half of the year. I think that was one of those where he was good enough to be an all-star, but the Celtics were in the play-in or maybe even out of the play-in around the all-star break. And they were like, we can't give this ratty team to all-stars. Um, but that that's what I'm looking for. Because if you break it down, Giannis is better than Tatum, but Tatum can close that gap. I'll say Chris Middleton and Jalen Brown are pretty close. I think Marcus Smart is as good, if not better, than Drew Holiday. And Robert Williams, if he's healthy, is way better than anybody else that the Bucks have. Probably the same thing for Horford if he's not geriatric at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the difference is in the top two players. Can yeah. Tatum and Brown be better than or as good as Giannis and Middleton? So well, I give that edge to Milwaukee, but it's it's very close. So so here's here's so let, let's transition to the Celtics. So here's my thing about the Celtics. Okay, one I want to go on record. Last year, I made the statement. Um, I made I, I I was all over the place on the Celtics last year. You you me and you experienced that roller coaster together. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning of the year, I said if you don't like the Celtics team, you don't understand basketball. And I was proven correct on that eventually. Yep. Also, around the All-Star break, around the All-Star break, if you remember, I texted you and was like, I mean, do they start looking for Jalen Brown deals? Because they're just not playing well. And they weren't playing well together, Chase. They just were not. Mm-hmm. They objectively and, were not playing well together. 
Yeah, and I don't know what kind of deal you were looking for, but I told you, like, anybody who is looking for Jalen Brown deals, I don't understand. Like, the fact that they weren't doing well with both of them at the helm was a little bit odd, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the epitome of what the NBA wants to be right now. Like, there is no reason the two of them shouldn't work. So it's like, no, you you do not trade Jalen Brown. So so then, of course, All-Star break happened, and then they just, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm sending you texts like, well, here come the Celtics. Here they, here, okay, you know, they're the sixth seed. Now they're the fifth seed. Now they're the fourth seed. I mean, they just, they just climbed. And also you were seeing things like, you know, uh, you were seeing things like uh, Tatum dropping 50 on the Nets, you know. And in my opinion, in a definitive, I'm the best wing in the East moment. Uh, that's, that's, that was his moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, so you have that happen, okay? You watch how that happened. For me, there is something to be said. So, like, I have Tatum as my clear-cut fourth-best player. If you ask me tomorrow, do I want Doncic or do I want Tatum, I'm taking Tatum. And I know that's weird for a lot of people. I think Tatum just as Tatum – Doncic is not locking up Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum is. Fair argument. There, therein lies the difference, in my opinion. But – Here's what Tatum did, and and you can make this statement, okay? And it's a little out there. The first round, he definitively outplays Kevin Durant. Second round, he goes toe-to-toe with Giannis, okay? Because if he plays just 5% worse in that series, the Bucs lose. I think that's a fair statement. The Bucs win, yeah. I mean, the Bucs win, I'm sorry. He goes toe-to-toe and, in my opinion, plays better than Jimmy Butler, okay? So... I can't think of a time where you've had one where you've had a had a player that has had that string of these are the guys are in, that were in front of me and I've left them all to go to the finals. Yeah. Now I understand there's there's a lot and I understand there's Robert Williams in that involved in that. There's some fantastic play from Marcus Smart. Galen Brown had some fantastic games. But for me, this is where I this is where I'm at on the Celtics because of everything that's going on. This is the year we're gonna find out who Jason Tatum is. Mm-hmm. Because Jason Tatum can go, he can he he can maintain. You said you said top eight player. I think he could be a top eight player for the rest of his career, and never win a title. Because where you want to be, if you if Jason Tatum truly wants to be the best, the guy that wins the titles, he's got to move into that Giannis Jokic conversation. And we're gonna find out if he's that guy because this is the year where that Celtics team's gonna be looking for leaders. And you've already sent me a video where it's like, you know, Jason. Uh, Tatum doesn't look like the leader. You know, Jalen Brown looks like the one that's the leader. And I love Jalen Brown, but he's not as talented as Tatum is. Tatum's the guy that that makes that team go. So here's my question to you, Chase. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just going to let you have some time with the Celtics, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got all these issues with the coach, all right? How do things need to break for let, – let, let, just, let's just pick a few things, okay? You tell me a few things that need to go right for the Celtics in order for them to get to the finals. Sure. And, and, sure. and make win it. Yeah. So one of them is that the, the coaching needs to be seamlessly not an issue. So uh, Marcus Smart seemed by the end of the season, I think early in the season, they were really butting heads with Yudoka, particularly right. probably Marcus Smart. And that, that may have been a little bit of, I mean, there are so many factors that go into why they ended up so good and started so poorly. And that's yeah. one of them. It was a new coach, and they just kind of had to adjust. Um, so that transition with him being away for at least this season 
needs to not negatively impact them. And part of that is going to be, I think, Marcus Smart can bring some of that on-court coaching that they need. Um, and the team is aware. I mean, they everybody knows that one of the things that unlocked that defense was allowing Robert Williams to be like a free safety. Uh, that's not something that like Joe Missoula doesn't know. Uh, so he just needs to continue on some of the obvious things that worked. Uh, so don't put anything out there that's going to make any kind of negative change. That's number one is that the coaching needs to not get in the way. Like I said, and like you said, number two is that Tatum, it's not that he has to take a leap, but it's that he has to be the guy that he was in the first three rounds of the playoffs. So like you said, he might have been for the entirety of the playoffs. There is a case that he was the best player. Because I think he was probably better than Steph those first three rounds. And then Steph just kicked his butt in the finals. Uh, I don't know what happened. I know Tatum was dealing with multiple injuries, and I could believe it. Because in the finals, he he did not look very good. Um, for as good as you said he looked in those first three rounds in the East, Jalen Brown was arguably better than him in the finals. He was. And not that Jalen Brown wasn't great, but Jalen Brown was just a little bit better than what you probably expect from him. Tatum was a lot worse than what you expect from him, especially yeah. seeing those first three rounds. He had one good game. Yeah. When, I mean, like maybe two, but the one of them was the first one where he had like 12 assists or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, Tatum struggled in the finals. And a lot of it, I do this with Jalen Brown all the time. I'm watching him, and it's just like, well, he looks like he's having a terrible game. But it's just his shot. Like, he's doing everything I want Jalen Brown to do, and it's just that he's one for eight from three instead of four for eight or five from eight or whatever. Like, things that truly just could be luck, bad luck or whatever. Um, that That's kind of a lot of what I saw from Tatum. Obviously, there were some bad things, too. Uh, he set an NBA record for tur turnovers in a single postseason. Some of that could be the injury. Some of that, I, I do think the Celtics were getting some bad calls in various games, particularly the Miami series. I thought he and Jalen Brown were getting fouled constantly and losing the ball, and they were just like, we're not calling that, uh, which is fair. You have to adjust to that a little bit. It wasn't egregious. I just felt like that was happening. But in general, I thought he just looked like somebody who wasn't himself. He was doing everything I wanted him to and couldn't. Um you, you need a healthy season. You're not going to win a title without Robert Williams playing well for you in the playoffs. Um, and then, I mean, you can't have two other injuries. Like, you can maybe with, sustain, like, an injury to Derek White or to Malcolm Brogdon, but you can't do both. Uh, and you any of the top four, you can't do any of them. Uh, and then Marcus Smart needs to. He's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year again. Uh, I would be... Uh, that would be one of the most shocking things to ever happen to me if he won again. But he's got to be as good as he was last year, too. Uh, if all of those things happen, and those are huge ifs, I, I think they're the best team in the NBA. If you were somehow able to guarantee me all of those things, I would be putting not every dollar I have on it, but I'd be making large wagers on the Celtics win the finals. Because I think when clicking, they are the best team. I think all that's fair. I, I do think it's interesting. You know, we, we didn't mention Brogdon that much. Brogdon is a wild card here because if Brogdon's healthy, I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, particularly if off the bench, I think he's he could, he's your spark plug off the bench. Um, he's he's a he's a guy that can take a little bit of the pressure off of Smart and Tatum as far as running the offense goes. 
Um, and, and, and off of Derek White, who did not look comfortable running the offense at points uh, last year. I thought that Derek was... Derek White was incredibly up and down. Uh, yeah. Like, he had some amazing games where he right. looked like he could be the third best player on a finals team, and he was, like, the fifth best. Uh, but then he also had games where he just kind of disappeared. So I agree. You look at, like, who's going to be your last five. Uh, I could see, if not every night, some nights if the offense isn't clicking, Malcolm Brogdon's finishing games for the Celtics. Right. Um, but it's, it's just it, – it, just it, it's just so weird because I really – you know, we're, we're talking about Tatum right now. You know, Tatum's 25, or he's about he's going to be 25 this year. Um, and, like, there's still, when you look at, historically, when you look at uh, wing players making the leap, this is typically the year they do it. You know, it's in their fourth or fifth year where you see them turn into what they were going to be. And we kind of saw that last year. And to me, I, I still think, like, there's your key. You know, if if he's if he's got a you know, 37 and seven in him, this is the year to pull it out because that's the, that's going to be the moment where we're going to look at this guy and go, okay, he's, he's ascended to that level. I kind of think he did last year. Uh, you know, the weirdest thing about Tatum is, you know, his, his, the big gripe on him is that, you know, he doesn't, he can't drive to the basket, which I thought was kind of put to rest last year. There were several times where he made drives to the basket on people like Jimmy Butler. But one of the weird things about him though, is like, I truly think he just thinks to himself, I really love my mid-range jumper. I really just I just think I think my 18-foot jumper is is the shot here, to, you know. And like and I don't hate that. I don't hate a guy who can rely on an 18-foot jumper because that is something that separates the best from, you know, the guys the all-stars. Um that shot in particular for wings. I mean, that's that's a shot that when LeBron learned how to make that shot was when he became the best player in the world, okay? So I don't have an issue with that, but I just wish somebody pulled him aside and be like, you know, hey, you know, get get to the rim, get to the foul line. You shoot eighty eight percent at the foul line. You know, it's like, you know, get to the rim, get some easy shots for us. You know, because I don't think he's like he doesn't he never shies away from contact. You know, I mean, like he, I mean, particularly, I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler was on on defense. He's a physical, it you know, chest up defender. Yeah. Um, so it's not he's he's not shying away from contact, but I do really think he just. He just likes that 18 footer. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, he does. but I agree with you. I think he put it to rest last year for years. Tatum was one of the worst finishers at the rim that I had ever seen. Yeah. And he became way better at that last year. So like I said, players work on stuff over the off season. I think that's something he focused on one or two years and he's fine. Like he's, I don't know. I haven't looked at the statistics. I just know from my eye test, he looks like a very good at rim finisher when he was one of the worst in the NBA, in my opinion, previously. So right. that, that was huge. Um, okay. So let's move on to our wild cards. My wild card, or our, our fourth, not, not our wild cards, our fourth. My fourth yeah. is Toronto. Your fourth is? Uh, Miami. Miami. Okay. Let's talk about Miami. Because I, I, I went back, so I had, I had three teams I wanted to put fourth. Miami was one of them. My issue with Miami, okay, um, just simply, I wonder if that was our peak last year, <laughs> uh, yeah. with Miami. Does that make sense to you? A little bit. I, I have both an agreement with that and a counter to that, but let, let me hear you talk a little bit more about it and then I'll give you mine. Okay. So, so my, so the, my, my big thing of course is Lowry. 
who is a player I love, by the way. I love Kyle Lowry. I always have. Um, but that he, he just fell apart last year. I mean, in my opinion, uh, I mean, I think I think that was one of the the major issues with the Heat last year. Um, yeah, um, I'm not totally sure. So, is Tyler Harrow coming off the bench this year? I don't think so. That's well, why so, I've heard so, people so, talk so, about. That been, Chase? So, so who's who's going to the bench? Uh, well, so let's think. I mean, it's going to be. I don't have their starting lineup in my head, but I mean, for a while they had Max Struess starting in the playoffs. I think so. Like that would be the spot you'd think he'd take over. Well, so like. And PJ Tucker, he's gone. Okay, yeah, PJ's gone. Okay, so that's probably it. So I guess maybe you can move. You could run a small ball with Butler at the four if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, I just don't. I just don't like the team case. I mean, I mean, I'm being honest. Like, like here, like I really, I really thought Bam at this point. Like, I mean, I, I thought you know in the bubble, you know, I think I even said yes said, hey, Bam should be a top three, you know, uh, interior player. If I don't even know if we use center anymore, but like, he should be a top three interior player next year. He's never. He is just not. He hasn't done that. He just objectively has not. Uh, he still doesn't have a. He doesn't have a move around the basket. Um, you cannot, you can't, you can't, you can't rely on scoring from him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, because if you're not, if you're not running, if if you're not running with him, you lose a lot of stuff because he, he, he doesn't even, he doesn't even do the, he doesn't even do like a screen and roll well, you know? Um, so like, it's, it's just weird. You know, he's, he's such a talent. He's the most talented player to be so disappointing in my opinion, because it's just, Another seventeen and eight, you know, and five from him. <laughs> okay, you know that, that's great, you know, but we're in the playoffs now, big boy, and we need we need a lot from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're going to get fifteen and eight and five, you know, and and that that you know, and then when I when I go home, you know, you can't blame me because I gave you my fifteen, eight, and five, and I don't like players like that, and that you know, and and it, particularly when I think you have a lot more talent, um, because I think Bam's a little bit of a freak of nature. And, um, you know, and he just, he just hasn't shown it in my opinion. I think Jimmy's on his way down. I think if, if, if you were going to, if you were going to ask me which player I thought would probably regress from superstar to star level this year, it'd be Jimmy Butler. Um, he's never here. You know, the funny thing about Butler, gosh, everyone, you're you're probably gonna figure out when I say this, he's never really been a superstar. He's a twenty-five and five guy for his career. He's, he's never been a regular season superstar, but we well, have seen him be a top ten player in the playoffs. I don't know what the rhyme and reason is for that, but he is one of the best playoff performers we've seen. Yeah, and it's just it's it's weird, you know. So like, I don't know. I don't I don't like Harrow's game. I just don't. <laughs> I didn't like it at Kentucky. I don't like it here. Um, I, there's just a lot of stuff around that team where I just feel like one of the reasons is it succeeds is because Eric Spolster is, if not the second or second or third best coach in the league, and he can pull this stuff together. But man, it's it's a it's a high wire act, you know. Like if you were if you were putting this team together in NBA 2K, you'd be like, I don't know what this identity is. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do here, you know. Because from a, I mean from a day to day basis. You don't have, you know, you, you, you have 
you have players that so like their identity is defense. I mean, it should be because you have Butler and and, and Adebayo. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have PJ Tucker. At the same time, though, you just gave whatever it was a hundred and forty million, hundred and fifty million. Just give a hundred. Uh, you, you just gave a close to max contract to one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Yeah. So the, it's it's just weird how they're built, and I'm just like, I don't know. They're they're my pick for a regression team. Now I could be wrong on that. You know, the Heat have proven me wrong before, but that's my pick as far as a team that's going to regress. I don't know. What what do you why do you like them in, in the four spot? Yeah, uh, they. I've got a lot of directions that I'm going to take you, but I'm going to go spontaneous first. Uh, can I? interest you in a quick game of family feud sure all right so we've got 10 answers on the board according to fanduel sportsbook uh you can just name players slowly one at a time who do you think have the are players in the 10 best odds to win defensive player of the year this year so let's see okay to win defensive player of the year okay so i'm assuming smart's up there right uh, Smart is 10th, which I think is about where he should be. Yeah, that's fair, but I, I just kind of assume he'd be up there just because he won it. Yeah, so but you're I, on the board. I said there were 10 answers on the board. Yeah. So I'd assume, is Robert Williams on there? He is third, which if if we knew he was playing a lot, I would think he should be first. But yes, okay. he is third. Uh, Rudy Gobert. He is first. Okay. Uh, Giannis. Fourth. Joel Embiid. Ninth. And then where's Bam at? Bam is second. Okay. So, I, so like, I've heard that thrown around, and then just because I put 10 answers on the board, I'll give you the rest of them. Anthony Davis at eight. It's interesting and I think unlikely. What do you think about that real quick? Um. Well, I mean, once again, that's, that's one of those picks where you're just like, that has to happen in order for the Lakers to be relevant <laughs> you know i mean it, it, yeah i mean Aunt, listen anthony davis uh in the preseason games looked like old anthony davis in the two he played um and then they, of course you know shut him down i don't blame him for doing that um so i yeah i i can see that you know i, I mean i can I, I if if it happened i wouldn't be shocked but i think yeah, but there's a I world. Think, yeah but i think eighth ninth tenth is probably where he needs to be i put smart over him fair it's so hard for a guard to win that award everything had to go kind of wonky for him last year to win it Uh, and uh, I don't think it'll be as big an issue this year but smart wasn't the best defender on his team last year which is weird yeah Uh, but so then uh, we'll both like seeing Evan Mobley at seven Mikhail Bridges at six Draymond Green at five Uh, and then you you got all the rest of them no no Jared Allen though I'd throw Jared Allen in there uh, Jared Allen is 15, one, two, three, 14. Guess who's right ahead of him? Ben Simmons. Good Lord. Yeah. I don't see that at all, but okay. Yeah. Allen, Allen would be my, my number that I, I put him in top 10, but okay. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I, as much as I think the heat are going to be pretty good. I think Bam being the second guy for a player, uh, defensive player of the year is like, that's higher than I'd have him, but that that's great. That shows you what people think he's at least capable of. Um, and then, like I said, I, I think we're probably talking about who we think, like we're really ranking finals equity kind of, right? Right. So uh, even the Heat are just so dang weird, man. Like last year, 
they had injuries left and right. They had Jimmy Butler wanting to fight uh, their coach, uh, Eric Spolstra. That that was a very weird thing. I, I mean, they had every issue you could come up with, and they were the one seed. And the Celtics really messed up Game 7 and really a couple of those games. They were one shot away from going to the finals. Uh, so they are just, at least recently, they have been this team that overperforms in the regular season. Uh, they're kind of like the Grizzlies of the East, where like no matter what happens to them, they have just been good. You, you think they're going to not be good, but really that hashtag heat culture has them as a very good team. So I, I, I one of the reasons that I looked at this is that I don't I would be shocked if the heat were in the play in. And I think that's one of the things you probably want to avoid. You don't want to be, um, A, fighting for your playoff spot at the very end of the year, and then, B, having to face likely one of these teams like uh, Milwaukee and Boston in the first round. Fair. Uh, so that's I, fair I, I think the Heat are very likely to be a top-four team in the East. They could be the one seed again, as far as I know. Crazy. And then once they get to the playoffs, you've got that guy like Jimmy Butler, who, I mean, if you want to look, he's – probably around the Kevin Durant level in the playoffs. If you're ranking the East right now, like you're going to have Giannis and Tatum, and then that's probably where you're falling. Like and Embiid, uh, like he's probably the fourth or fifth best playoff performer in the East right now, if I'm not missing anybody. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, so you have that upside with Bam. And I agree. Bam is the reason they made the finals that made that bubble season. Uh, Cause they played the Celtics in the Eastern conference finals. And as good as Jimmy Butler was, what the Celtics could not stop was Bam Adebayo. They right. lost because Bam was torching them. And I just didn't understand. I don't remember what game it was in this past year's Eastern Conference Finals, but Bam had like one really good game and dominated, and the Heat did well. But he disappeared a lot, and that's where Boston was just like, oh, if we don't have to worry about Bam, like y'all are going to have to make a million threes or we're just going to run away with this game. Yeah. Uh, He's so, very passive. And I, I don't understand that, you know. Uh, I didn't get it either. Uh, it seemed like, I think Robert Williams played a big toll on him. Uh, a lot of the times they have him as that, like, free-roaming guy. But typically what happens is you put him on the other team's worst shooter, and Bam is not a three-point threat right now. Yeah. Uh, so he was officially the matchup that Robert Williams drew quite often, and I don't think he wanted anything to do with Robert Williams. But it... it Knowing that he has Defensive Player of the Year upside, knowing how good that team is, like, consistently in the regular season, they've got one of the best coaches, too. So that's one of the reasons why I just think they're going to be there. Um, I have them as a distant fourth, and uh, I wasn't too far away from picking. There are two, three other teams. One of my rules today is that I'm going to talk as little about Brooklyn as I can. So Brooklyn was not going to be my fourth seed. Yeah. my fourth team here. I mean, Brooklyn's a play-in team for me. I mean, I'm just saying. They are for me, too. And I won't be shocked if they're a top-four team, but I, I'm not listening. To I'd be head. shocked. I'd be I'd be amazingly shocked. Yeah, uh, so I'm not talking about Brooklyn. and the, Like, they're the, the Raptors and another team or two were in consideration. But if, if you're just telling me that there's a team that makes the finals, I don't think the Raptors are making the finals. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think they're as close to some of these other teams. Even well, they're not. They're not. But, 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 but I want to give you, I, I just, I just want to, just want to give you a, a concept here. Okay. With the Raptors. Let's get it. So, so I don't think the Raptors 
can make the finals. Okay. But I think there, there's a path there. Um, and the path is we have more long rangey players than any player, than any team in the history of the NBA. Yep. That's um, what they love up there in the cold North. And so now what was interesting is as much as I give, as much as I, you know, crap on Embiid, he kind of, ex- he kind of exploited them last year. Because their whole thing was, well, we've got long-ranging players, we're going to throw it in beats, we're just going to double-team him. And he just didn't care. It just didn't matter. I mean, Embiid killed the Raptors last year. Um, so, I, you know, so there is a there is a little bit of, you know, exposure there. Um, but the Raptors kept their kept kept going. So, like, they drafted they drafted a, a – uh, Christian Coloco was one of their picks. He's a 7'1", 230-pounder, which – 7'1", 230 pounds is, in my opinion – that's a guy that, like, if that guy enters in the league, the NBA could just go, you're going right to the Raptors. You know, like, that is just, like, where, you know, where that guy needs to be. Um, and they, they just keep adding all of these long players. And they've also got, as I've already said, I think Barnes can make a, can take a step. I think Barnes can take a step into a, a guy who can maybe be, I, it, it's weird because I think, I think Barnes wants to be the first option on the offense, but I also think Barnes is also one of those old school, like, you know, I'm going to earn my way kind of players. And I think he needs a little bit more of the dog in him to just say, look, I need to be taking more shots than Pascal Siakam. Okay. That just needs to happen. Um, You know, and, and I do wonder if, if there's going to be a point where uh, we see that, uh, we see that transition this year, but I love, I mean, I just, I just love the team because it, it's 10 deep and like it, it or you, well, it's eight deep, but you can see where it could be 10 deep. There's a player on here. I love that. We, that no one talks about except for me, which is Delano Blanton, uh, six, nine point guard reminds me a lot of like what Sean Livingston was supposed to be before he got injured. Um, wild, just like out of control, just limbs everywhere. But I just I, I when he's on I love his game you know he's a guy that I would love to see get a lot of playing time um, who I could think could give him give them some great minutes um, OJ Anubi finally looked like what we always thought he was going to be last year um, I just I, I really the the team just intrigues me and you know they intrigued me last year I was real high on them last year you remember that um, you know and I just think there there there's a there's a world where this team can upset some people, you know, where like <laughs> where somehow the Sixers get the first seed and they get the fourth where they could just like, you know, knock the Sixers out or something like that. Um, yeah, I think you and I talked last year that we both thought if not, they should beat the Sixers. We thought it was a very good chance. Well, there were, well, but so here's, here's the issues. Okay. One Fred Van Fleet, Fred Van Fleet fell apart last year in the playoffs. Bad. Um, Pascal Siakam got injured. Oscar got injured, but yes, but but still, he wasn't uh, good before the injury. But exactly, then he wasn't. He was not good. Um, pa- Pascal Siakam did not look like himself. Um, Barnes looked like a rookie, you know. Which I mean, I'm not, I'm not holding that against him. But they've got there's a classic feel to this team that just looks like this looks like a leap team, a team that's going to take a leap. Um, I think fourth, I think third, fourth seed would be a successful year for them. Um, I think if you end up in the fifth, sixth seed again, uh, I think first round home field, home court advantage is where they need to be looking at really hard. 
anything less than that, I think that's when you start looking at some of these guys and go like, we've got a lot of long guys, but maybe they might need to be trade assets because there's, there's, there's markets for literally every player on this team. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, just, there just is because you, at, at a certain point you've got, you know, uh, I mean, like someone like someone even like a you know like Wancho, you know, uh, Herm, I always I can't I can never do this the first time. Herman Gomez, uh, I don't know why I, I can never do that all the first time, but like even someone like him, you know, I mean that's that's your ninth best player on this team, you know, yeah. that's, he's a good player, you know. So like they're they're just a deep rangy team. Um, I'm a little worried about the fact they don't really have a traditional center. I mean, Thaddeus Young is probably their closest thing to a traditional center other than the rookie they drafted. Yeah. Uh, that kind of worries me. Um, but at the same time, that might be the type of team that could, you know, form a wall around Giannis. You know, I mean, that might be the the way to stop him. You know, we don't know because no one's ever done it. <laughs> so, like, you know, we don't know what what it is that's going to stop him. But um, you know, maybe just the idea of like throwing bodies at Giannis, you know, that's what the team looks like. So I, I don't know. I'm 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 high on them, um, but I wonder if I'm too high on them, Chase. No, I I get it. They were in converse, that conversation for me as well. I I do kind of like them to avoid the play in. I think they could easily be a top six team in the East. Uh, I probably have them as the five or the six, but I have them right around there. I get it. Uh, it's also, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but it's the NBA sometimes is all about matchups. Sometimes I look at the West and I just think it's funny because the, these gigantic players are not as dominant as they used to be. Like there, there aren't, I mean, there have never been very many shacks, but it is a very wing oriented and then Stephen Curry oriented league right now, except for some of the top teams in the East where you've got. Embiid and Giannis to deal with, right? So, like if the Raptors were in the West, I think they would be really weird, because yeah. like like they would not run into because uh, Jokic is big, he's a like huge body that you have to contend with, but he doesn't play the like I am going to just wreck you because I'm a large human being game. He mm-hmm. beats you in different ways than Embiid and Giannis do, so. I just don't know if the Raptors would run up against an Embiid in the West. Like, they would pose a problem to any team that doesn't have, like, a gigantic freak. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I totally agree. And uh, and I think, you know, you know, in the right situation, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where you just got several players that need to take one more step. Um, which is the which is the case of my wild card team too, but you just got several players that just need to take one more step, and if they take that step, I think they could be dangerous. If they're the same team as last year, you know, I mean, they're, then they're probably are seven seed. But you know, I, you've got you know, if Scotty Barnes is the real deal, and I think he is, you know, if uh, you know Fred Van Fleet is you know as good as I think he is, yep, you know, OJ Anubi, you know, and then some of these younger guys on the bench, Blanton. Uh, Coloco, you know, these guys, if these guys can step in and play, yeah, I think, I think they could be really dangerous. I really do. Okay. Wild card team, Chase, go for it. Okay. So this one, uh, is the other team that I kind of had flirting with Toronto and Miami for my fourth spot. Uh, I think you like them too. I don't know if they're your wild card team, but mine is going to be Cleveland. Yeah, that's my wild card team. Okay. Uh, I, I like them a whole bunch. I think they're probably, I mean, you, you could maybe, 
if you wanted to argue Toronto also, but I would say they're the only other team in the NBA that like rivals what the Celtics can do when they're healthy on defense. Like they are just that that Jared Allen Evan Mobley combo is a ridiculous luxury to have, and they they filled one of the the biggest holes that they're gonna have is like if they have to have somebody go get a bucket. Donovan Mitchell is very good at that. Uh, he's not an elite playmaker, but he is a good playmaker. I've seen him dissect defenses when they are focused on stopping him from scoring. He'll get in pick and rolls. He'll find the open man and make the right play, even if he's not uh, a perfect playmaker. He's very good. Uh, so I think I, I'm not even that high on Donovan Mitchell. I think he's just going to be a great asset for them. I think he has found a good landing spot. Um, I really uh, like where the Jazz dumped both of their big all-stars. Uh, I like it a lot. So he he's not going to have to be an amazing defender, which is one of the other knocks on him. And that defense is going to be wild. Uh, if, if they stay healthy, which is something that hurt them a little bit towards the end of last year, uh, they're going to be very good. One of my issues, even if they are healthy, is I just don't know quite how deep they are. I mean, they've got Kevin Love, and then after that, you're looking at guys like Jetty Osman and um, is it I- Isaac Okoro? I keep getting them him mixed up with Chumo Kiki. Isaac Okoro's with the Cavs, right? Yeah, I think he and I think he's your starter. Yeah, I think he's probably the starter. But if you move him up to the starter, and then I mean, Kevin Love is still a, a certainly a good player when he's on, but he he's not amazing defensively. I think they're he's a guy that's going to be a tough hang in the playoffs potentially. Uh, because I do think they're getting to the playoffs, unlike last year. Um, Their depth worries me a little bit, just because I think they only run like five or six deep of like guys you can really count on. But I'm obsessed with their defensive upside, and I think their offense is going to be better than it was last year. So I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to be good. So they're going to be fun to watch, and I could easily see them, if not like having a – great chance of making the finals like they're going to be a nightmare for whoever has to play them so you so here's here's the interesting thing about uh about their depth okay because you left out a key point last year last year you're you're gonna be shocked by this but last year before the also break one of their strengths you know when they were shocking everybody you know when it was like oh my gosh is are the Cavs gonna be the number one seed you know they're two games out you know or whatever one of their strengths was their bench, and that's because their bench was anchored by Rubio and Kevin Love. I thought you were going to mention Ricky Rubio. Yeah, he got and, hurt, and that actually very much mattered for them. And the thing is, is like, at this point in their careers, you know, and I'm higher on Kevin Love the most, and I think Ricky Rubio is one of those guys where you can roll a ball out, and he's going to be like, I can run this offense. Um, when you have those two guys anchoring an offense and uh, and anchoring a bench, I think you can throw just about any three guys around me. You know, I could step out there and knock down a couple threes for them. You know, with that, you know, and I think that's the that's that's a strength they have. If Rubio stays healthy, Kevin Love kind of maintains. He seems he seemed fairly happy in his role. Um, you know, if if those two things maintain, I think that bench is going to be fine. Um, because I, I really think once again, you know, Okoro had some moments of brilliance last year. Um, and if he steps in, he's, he's another guy, like if he can, if he can take a step, you know, when you look at that from top to bottom healthy, 
that's a top three, top five in the league, in my opinion. I mean, you've got Darius Garland, who's as good a point guard as anybody. I mean, I think Darius Garland was fantastic last year. Uh, definitely deserved his all-star berth. Um, you know, was one of the, you know, one of the elite players, showed himself to be an elite player in the league. You got Donovan Mitchell, who I agree is not an elite playmaker, but statistically is a elite scorer. Um, particularly, you know, in a in a situation where I need to get to the rim or I need to get fouled, Donovan Mitchell is an elite scorer in those situations. Uh, and then Mobley and Jared Allen is the best, <laughs> the best defensive uh, one-two punch uh, in the league outside of Boston. So, yeah, I, I mean, a, pardon me if this is an incorrect stat, but I feel like Donovan Mitchell and Luka Doncic have, if not the two highest, like two of the highest playoff averages ever. Right, yeah, they're they're up, yeah, uh, probably as far as like players playing right now, um, and I mean, you know, Donovan is Donovan's weird, you know. Uh, the thing about Donovan has never hit the point where every year for about the last four years, I've thought this is the moment where Donovan Mitchell becomes the guy. He becomes a guy, you know, and he's never really cracked that top fifteen. Um, part of that is his reluctance on defense. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You got three guys that can cover you on that. Um, but the other issue, I think, was just like he has moments where he just like seems like he checks out. He doesn't, you know, he it's like he particularly when with Utah, it's like there were moments where he just didn't want to be there. Um, and maybe that's just a Utah situation. But I hope at some point someone has gotten in his ear and been like, Look, you have you have landed in the perfect situation. You know, you literally can be the exact same player you've been, and that's what they want. You don't have to take a step, you know, they will be Perfectly happy with 25, four and five from you. Okay. Um, you know, and that's, and that, you know, that's because they've got enough players that are, that are making leaps on their own, you know, and, and I, I just, I really like the team. I mean, like it was, it was the, it was a team that's, that's everything about it makes sense. You know, there's a lot of teams that go out and just try to get players um, with Cleveland. Their stuff just seems to make sense. And so, yeah, I really, I really do like the team. Um, do you, how, how, where, where do you think their ceiling is though, Chase? Uh, so if I'm going to picture the best case scenario for them this year, I don't think I can see them winning the finals. They're just kind of like my fun wild card, but, uh, I don't really hear anybody saying this, especially if like some weird stuff happens, they could be like a three seed or something and get a favorable matchup in the first round. Uh, so if in the first round they don't have to play one of those elite other teams, I, I think they'll win it. They could easily win one playoff series, and then I think they're going to have a chance to beat somebody else. Uh, so like I could see them making an Eastern Conference Finals run for sure. I mean, I think for me, if they end up like a four seed, Milwaukee, I don't think Milwaukee's scared of anybody. But they're looking at that going, it'd be really nice if that fifth seed won. You know, because if 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 you were building a team to try and stop Giannis at this point, wouldn't you want two rangy six foot eleven, <laughs> you know, athletic guys that can switch off on you, you know, uh that can, you know, that basically do the same things. Um I mean that's I mean that's kind of how you would want to stop him, right? And no other team in the NBA has that. Um, so I, I, I there's a there's a world where I can I can see them being a real real threat to some teams. 
Um, but there's also a world where I can see them just like getting injured again and falling apart like they did last year. So, you know, I don't know, but yeah, they're, I think, uh, I think that's a good wild card pick for both of us, Chase. I'd, I'd pat us both on the back for that. Yeah. We're both so smart. We are. We're, we're so smart. We just, we just know so much. Uh, speaking of knowing so much, let's move to the Western conference and, uh, let's, let's, uh, talk about this. All right. I've got, so I'll, I'll start, I'll give you my four. Okay. I think, think we'll agree on three. I think one, you're going to laugh at me about. And then, uh, and then, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to hate on the Clippers a lot. I mean, I, I'm just preparing you yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, one through three, uh, Golden State, um, Denver, um, am I blanking? Golden State, Denver. We're two for two so far. Yeah. Golden State. Oh, uh, Memphis. Golden State, Denver, Memphis. Okay. That's one, one through three for me. Uh, and then my fourth, which I know you're going to laugh at, uh, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I almost jumped in and said I wasn't. I'm still not going to laugh at you, but they were not in like my top six or seven. Okay. So good for you. I, I like them. They make some sense. Okay. And I'll let you explain them to me later. Yeah. So, 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 so give me, give me one through four for you. Okay. So we do agree Golden State and Denver. I knew, uh, you, <laughs> you were worried about Golden State a little bit. So I wasn't totally sure, but I thought we'd have both of those. Uh, I knew you wouldn't have the Clippers and you knew that I do. Um, uh, when we talk about them though, I'll, I'll be kind of interested in all that. Um, uh, and then this is another one. So I told you my fourth team in both conferences, I was just like, what on earth do I do? I was pretty good with three of them, and then the fourth one was like, ugh, I could go so many different directions. So I, I considered Memphis. I did not consider New Orleans, but uh, I went with Phoenix, and I didn't love it. Uh, so I, it was just very strange, but I, I'll leave it at that. That's my four. So so real quick, so here, here here's so let's talk about Phoenix, because Phoenix is, they're, they're not my wild card, um, but if you don't have them in the top four, I, I think they would be a horrible wild card. So I'm fine with that. So here, here's the, but here's the interesting thing about Phoenix. Okay, the and this is this is my issue with the West, and one of the reasons why I picked the Pelicans. The West right now, as it is constructed, is just just a series of disasters waiting to happen. Um, every single every single team that we have mentioned, okay, uh-huh. every single one of them. They're they have got all in with no backup plan. Um, I agree. And so, like the the reason I picked the Pelicans, uh, not just honestly, part of it was just I think when you talk about the Pelicans, <laughs> but like, but part of it also is if Phoenix if Phoenix doesn't walk that tightrope just correctly. I mean, you look at the things that have to that, that have to pan out for Phoenix. Okay. First, you talk about Jay Crowder. I don't think that matters much because I, once again, I just love the fact that somehow Jay Crowder is asking for a trade. I mean, it's, it's Jay Crowder. I mean, like, I don't have anything against Jay, Jay Crowder. I think he's a good player. He's, he's been a it good player. It feels like the Come worst case day. scenario for everybody involved. Right. Exactly. Like, this is just stupid. You know, like, you know, but like, but the things have to break perfectly. Okay. One, Chris Paul has to be a, a top three point guard again. I think that's possible. I think that's even doable. Possible, but he, he's talk about geriatric. Yeah, that's fair. 
Okay. He's the second oldest player in the league. Uh, we're not counting you, Donald Haslam. Um, but he's second oldest player in the league. Yeah, he does, he should not count. He's a coach. Yeah. So, you know, but I, but I, he he was fine last year. He came back from the injury okay. And then just played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play in that game seven uh, against uh, Dallas. Okay. Um, yep. Devin Booker needs to take one more step. I think that's possible. Bridges yeah. needs to take yeah, a step. He's been needing that step for a couple of years, though. Right. Fair. Bridges needs to take another step. I'd like to see him be more of a creator with the ball. Cam Johnson has to be a four, has, has to be a, a stretch four, which I think, once again, is possible, but also, pun totally intended, is a stretch. Um, and then DeAndre Ayton has to be like, guys, I forgive you for everything. I forgive you for the fact that I'm the fourth best center in basketball, you know, and, it, and you know, and, play against John as, as well as anybody and you didn't want to pay me. Um, so I forgive you for that. And also forgive you for, put, for putting me in all the trade talks for Kevin Durant. All those things have to happen for the Suns to be a contender. And I'm just not totally sure all those things are going to happen, but I'm really uncomfortable looking at a team that won 64 games and going, ah, they're not going to be in my top four. That's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable doing that, but I, I did it. <laughs> Yeah, that that's fair. The two, so yeah, we can just we'll get talking about Phoenix out of the way here. The the what it came down to for me to put them as my fourth team is I think they're still going to be a fifty win team. I think they figure it out. They were another team where just like I, if Chris Paul misses for a while, it's fine. Devin Booker's just going to be amazing. Like uh, they they managed. I mean, obviously they had one of the best records in NBA history uh, and looked for a while like they had a chance of hitting 70 uh they they were so good that i think they are just going to kind of cruise through the regular season again uh, you never know with matchups but they could gosh the east the west is so I, I mean i think the east feels deeper than normal too but the west is incredibly deep whereas like you might not be happy who you're playing in the one seven matchup or sorry the two seven or the one eight uh so i don't know how that's gonna end up working out but i think they're going to probably have there's a good chance they have home court. And uh, the other thing being that I just, I have seen them not win the title before, but we saw them get to the finals and they looked very, very good. And most of, I mean, that's still the same core group out of that. I love Mikhail Bridges, love Booker. I agree. He has a step to take if he really wants to make them a bigger threat to the title. Uh, and then as far as I know, Chris Paul is still going to be good. So they were my last conclusion there but it's mostly the fact that i know that they can do it even if i don't think that they will because I, I i said at the front of the show I, I have my worries about phoenix too yeah i i think i think all that's valid okay um let's okay um talk me out of memphis talk me out of them Okay, so I'm not planning on doing that. Uh, Memphis was going to be my wild card team, so I can go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll, 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 we'll save. We'll, we'll save that. We'll, we'll okay. save. Yeah, so I'm not going to try to talk you out of them. That's fair. Okay, okay, never mind. We'll save that. Okay, let, actually, let, let's do this. Uh, teams we agree on, Denver and Golden State. I've got Golden State as my one and Denver as my two. Is that similar? Yeah, um, I have no idea what on earth to do with the Clippers, so... Yeah, I mean, you. I could definitely say that that's identical for me. Okay, so let's let's talk. We we've we've talked a lot about 
Gold State already, okay? Um, but let, let's talk about good things here, okay? Um, because we're going to, at this point with Golden State, um, we need to talk about uh, legacy issues here. Because now we're looking at a team that is, uh, I know everyone likes to say a 3 a dynasty. I've never bought into that. But they, at this point, have won four and six. Is that correct? Is that right? Four and Ooh. six, four and seven. Okay, so what, their first one was in 15, right? So seven years? So four and seven. Okay. Yeah. So you've won, they've won four and seven. Okay. Um, seven, 73 and nine doesn't matter because they didn't win it. Okay. That, but, yes. Uh, yeah, it hurts. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, but they have fundamentally changed how basketball's played. Um, most teams at this point, you know, are looking for and, uh, you know, open threes and open layups. Okay, which is what Golden State <laughs> runs on, um, you know. And at this point, I think if we're looking at a team that doesn't have anything to prove, uh, it's Golden State, and that kind of worries me um, because not now you could go into this, you know. I mean, at this point, um, you know, Steph never really talks about his legacy. I mean, he just doesn't like you. Like it comes up all the time with LeBron. Comes up all the time with Kevin Durant. Um, you know, geez, comes up all the time with like Jimmy Butler, you know, but like Steph doesn't really, he doesn't really talk, he doesn't talk in that in those ways. Um, so a question I do have for you, okay? Golden State wins this year, okay? Even with all the weird stuff that's going on, they pull this out, okay? Where do you place Golden State as far as like the pantheon of teams? You know, like, are they, I mean, do we have to start talking about them in the same way we talk about the Bulls and the and the Celtics of the 60s? I was going to say, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's that. And sometimes I overlook the Celtics of the 60s just because it seems so obvious, like they dominated so much there. Uh, but yeah, like as far as dominance, that's probably the three teams. I was going to say, I, I didn't really have anybody that I would obviously put over them other than the, the Bulls of the 90s that this is unprecedented um, in some plenty of ways. One of them being like, we have this guy that a lot of people are putting as an obvious top two player in the NBA. It, sorry, in NBA history, him and Jordan. And uh, Stephen Curry has just been a more dominant player than him the last decade. Right. Uh, it's just been, and I don't think that necessarily takes away from LeBron. I mean, you just look at these teams, uh, obviously, when they had Kevin Durant. I mean, those teams were, it was just, you couldn't fathom beating them in a seven-game series, um, which I, I imagine is how everybody pretty much felt about Jordan after the first title or two. Yeah, and it's it's it's, inter- it's interesting because you look at, so particularly since the merger, so let's, let's take Boston out of it uh the merger in in 76 okay which i consider is modern basketball yeah so when you look at since the merger okay so you've got your your teams that you would consider um like pantheon teams would be uh 80s lakers so that's five and ten um 80 celtics which would be three and ten which between those two i mean just right off the bat fantastic Records, you know, three and ten is nothing to sneeze at. Five and ten is nothing to sneeze at. 
Then you go. Then you look at the Bulls, six and eight. Then you got the Lakers in early two thousands. You know, which is uh, three in a row. Then you got the Spurs, which is four in four and eight, and then they tack on that last one in fourteen. Um, but when you look at, but here's here's the weird thing, and like that, gosh, and I hate to say this because you know my favorite team of all time is two thousand one Lakers, but. What's interesting about the Warriors is the Warriors have done it, in my opinion, against the best competition because the Warriors have done it at this point where all the best international players are coming to the NBA. All the best uh, play that you there's just like a lack of busts in the NBA at this point. You know, I mean, there's there every once in a while, I feel like Anthony Edwards and stuff like that, but like, you know, I, I mean. Once again, the '90s. I I grew up in the era where like Derek Coleman was the number one pick. You know, it's like yeah, Anson was a two pick. You know, like you know, uh, Sean Bradley was a number two. You know, like like they just don't have that anymore. You know, teams are smarter. They, they I mean, for the most part, teams are smarter. You know, um, and and once again, to your point, like you know, LeBron's going to break Kareem's you know thirty year record, and he's got one title. Uh, we've got we've got two titles against them, and one against them, and then one where they were not Golden State, um, you know, and 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 it was in the bubble, and the bubbles were weird, and I don't care what anyone says, it's a it's a weird year. Um, so it, to me, there's something to be said about this team that we're just not really saying because I do think it, it's it's got to go down history as one of the best uh, teams of all time, and and if they win a fifth one, if they win, if they pull off this year. Um, I think you, you've got to start you, – you've got to – Steph Curry has to be considered a t- top 10 player. Um, I don't know why Draymond and Clay Thompson aren't in the top 75, but I I mean, I'd put I, – I've never seen uh, Bill Sharman play, but I'm just going to assume he cannot play Clay Thompson uh, in his prime. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's just – there's a lot of legacy involved in this team. Uh, that I think that uh, makes this an interesting season for him. Does that make sense to you, Chase? Yeah, it does. Um, I know Clay Thompson was upset that he wasn't in the top 75. I wouldn't be as upset about uh, Draymond because, I mean, he's a four-time All-Star, and you look at some of these guys who are like 12-time All-Stars or nine or whatever. Um, he is I – mean, you could say he's better than that, like, elite role player, but uh, I, I get the Draymond thing. Uh with Clay, it's one of those, and uh, you know I nitpick about this all the time. There's a difference between, like, legacy, who had the best career, um, and how you want to view a player that way, and just, like, who's the better basketball player. Because I, I could see Clay Thompson not being one of the 75 best basketball players ever, but his attachment to this dynasty means so much to me. Um, the way that he has been integral to it, so important to it, and then the sheer fact that He's one of the what, like five best shooters ever. I mean, I would go. Uh, th- uh, to me, that's that's the end of the argument right there. It's like to me, the the best shooters ever are Steph. Then I'd go Ray Allen next. I'd go Reggie Miller third, and then he's fourth. I was gonna say, like those are the three that come to mind the to beat him. I mean, you, you think of shooters. I mean, like guys like Kobe come to mind, but like just as pure shooters, he's not up there. Yeah, Kobe's not. Well, he won a. I mean, he yeah, he he won a three guy. I mean, he really won. You know. I mean, yeah, I think. Three, I, like, I mean, he might have been if he played just like half a decade or a decade later. But yeah, yeah. a little different. But uh, but not. It, I mean, I just it's it's just a weird. 
you know, we've talked about all the issues with them and everything, but the, I mean, they're a team I'm, I'm kind of rooting for, you know, like I don't, I, I know people got sick of golden state, but I don't hate them. <laughs> like I, I don't. And yeah. I love what Steph and, and company have done for basketball. It, it, it was always my argument for San Antonio Spurs back in the day. Yeah. And you know, like, I don't hate Kevin Durant, but like, especially the, the teams without him are just like the most likable super <laughs> team ever. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, even, you know, my major issue with Durant on that, as I've said before, is, you know, I, I, I didn't blame him for going there, but I blamed him for leaving because that was your, you know, cause here's the thing. Durant was, Durant was never going to be considered better than LeBron, but he could have, but he could have gone, he could have won seven titles there. And then he also, I mean, he could have had like six or seven yeah. uh, finals MVPs. Like he could have outdone Jordan on that. Hey, I'm going to, I hate to do this to all the Kawhi lovers out there, but let me tell you, if he doesn't go down that game, Kawhi doesn't have a title in my, or doesn't have that. Oh, from the Spurs. yeah, no, it's not even close. So uh, yeah, he, like Kawhi gets the finals MVP in 14, but yeah, no, I mean like, I, when I say I can't fathom a team beating the Kevin Durant Warriors, I truly don't think. I mean, they would have had to have beaten themselves. It, other, it's either injury or they literally are like, "Well, we've won six in a row. I guess we don't care as much anymore." And somebody just gets hungry and beats them. But like, there, there's nobody that beats them in a seven-game series when they're right. really trying and they're healthy. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think I think we've uh, we've we, we've we've said a lot. About Golden State and uh, team we haven't said a lot about is the Denver Nuggets. We haven't talked about them at all. Sure. Uh, I I think my my love for Nikola Jokic is well known. Um, you know I do think he's I you you've got Giannis way separate from him. I don't, but uh, I think I think you give I think you give Jokic. Uh, healthy Chris Middleton, healthy Drew Holiday instead of a healthy Will Barton and a whatever else they were throwing out there. I mean, here's the here's the interesting thing about Jokic and like, and we're about to see it because Will Barton's on their team. I can't remember where he ended up. Where would he end up at, Chase? Do you remember? I will look. Uh, was he part of the trade to the Wizards? Yeah, he's on the Wizards. That's right, he's on the Wizards. Um, yeah. So we're about to find out, you know, what Will Barton is, you know, who is a guy that, you know, I've been high on for several years. But, I mean, under, you know, under Jokic, Will Barton's a 16-point-per-game guy, and that's just amazing to me. And that's the thing that Giannis does not give you. Uh, I'm not trying to denigrate Giannis, but Jokic is a guy that, like, when you put him out there, you can guarantee that his team, that that his team's going to compete he had the best, you know, the, the Denver had the widest plus minus in the league by far when Jokic was on and when Jokic was off. <laughs> you know, they were a completely different team. Um, and so for me, what I'm just hoping for, because I want to see this team. I want to see the Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic team. I want to see that yep. uh, we, with Aaron Gordon, uh, who I think is underrated in this situation. Um, he's been, he was overrated for so long. It's weird. He's kind of underrated now. Um, well, and he's I, really like, he's not that they have similar games, but he's kind of like Carl Anthony Towns where he has turned into not the player that I expected his career to be. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he just ended up so different, but I really like him and he's a, I think going to be particularly if they are going to be the team that we think their ceiling is, he's going to be a huge part of that. 
Um, so what, well, so what do you, what do you, you know, I mean, what, what do you, so with, with Murray and Porter, okay, we haven't heard much about Porter. Murray's supposed to be ready pretty soon. Um, if those guys come back and are what they used to be, that's a dangerous team, right, Chase? Incredibly dangerous. Uh, the Michael Porter Jr. is a really weird player. Uh, we we know, uh, gosh, they're just such a funny team because it. What I would say, most people would put Jamal as their number two guy. Uh, so we kind of look at that, and I I don't think Jamal is a top twenty player in the NBA. Probably. What do you think about that part? Uh, I'd say he's right outside of 25, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, it, it hurts that we have not seen him in like a year, almost a year and a half, basketball-wise. Here, here, here's what I will say real quick. We were talking about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Jamal Murray went shot for shot of Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. Yeah, uh, that, that series yeah. was bananas. Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, he's got it. I mean, he has it. You know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see if he if he can put it all together, because he's never really been as good a shooter as I thought he would be. No, and I mean, some of that is your, he takes a lot of off the dribble threes. He takes a lot of tough shots. Um, but between, I mean, he is probably like a top thirty player, uh, and then like just the the beautiful offense that he and Jokic can put together when they are on the court together. They, they work together as well as two players do in the NBA. I mean, you look at, like, Stephen Curry and Draymond work together incredibly well. Jokic and uh, Jamal do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I think the 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 weirdness here is in, is in Michael Porter Jr., uh, who's a 6'10 wing, you know, when he's at his best. Um, and, like, yeah. you know, I, I love this, this part about him is that, you know, he shot – 44% from three point uh, land in the, in the bubble in the, in the 2020, uh, year, you know, before he got injured the next year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's just nuts. Uh, I mean, he's just, I don't know. I, I, I really, you know, I really want to see what those three can put together, but even without those three, even without those three, I think the Denver's better. They added a, they added one of my favorite players and one of your favorite players. They added KCP, who's one of my favorites. They added Bruce Brown, who I think is one of your favorites, right? He is, yeah. I, I really like that, especially, I mean, Bruce Brown was almost the best player on the Nets in their playoff series against the Celtics. Yeah, that's, that's, I, he frustrated me so much. Well, he was the only guy to get back on defense in several of those, you know, and you're watching, you know, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he's just—he's one of those guys that you did not expect him to. I, mean, I expected him to be a pest on defense and get his little floater thing in the lane, but like he was hitting some threes. He was incredibly confident on offense. He was always running and being in the lane that he was supposed to be in, which is was a major problem for a lot of the other guys on the Nets. Like, I and uh, you put him on the team with freaking Jokic, he's going to get so many backdoor layups. It's going right. to not even funny. Yeah, one KCP too. I mean, the, they're kind of very similar players in that they're uh, they're two guys that are always where you need them to be. Um, I love that. Like about them. Also, uh, who who else? Oh, that KCP. Like I agree yeah. with you. I think that's great. You look at. I mean, one of the things that um, 
obviously this this past postseason didn't count all that much for them just because they were not the Nuggets that they are this year or that we hope that they are this year. But uh, a matchup with Stephen Curry or any like dominant guard or wing is going to be tough for them. But now like they brought in some serious defensive pressure with right. KCP and Brown, and then you've got Gordon. Like They can actually be a very good defensive team, which they, they did totally last year. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and you know, it's interesting, you know, if Jamal Murray comes back, um, Chase, I love Bones Highland, man. I really do. I love, uh-huh. I love he's that fun. player. Uh, I think, I think he's just a, I think he's just a really, really solid player. Um, you know, I, I'm probably a little too high on him. He's, he's the type of guy that I'm just a little too high on because I love guys that have, whose uh, confidence kind of outweighs their ability. I was um, going to say, you know who loves Bones Highland? Bones Highland. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but I just, you know, he's he's the type of guy who I think is, you know, in in spurts, is just, you know, has has the ability, to just, you know, well, I mean, can can do, you know, what Rondo did for the Lakers, you know, in the bubble. I think, you know, just like sure. this really change of pace player, where like, you know, you're used to playing against one style, and all of a sudden Bones Holland comes in, he's he's like, I'm just gonna isolate and drive to the lane the entire time, and like if you're used to playing against Jokic. You know, for the entire, for the most of the game, and that guy comes in. You've got to, you've got to adjust on the fly. I think he he could be really helpful for him. Um, yeah, he's but the type I, of guy that can steal you a game two or something like. Exactly. Yeah. He can get uh, you a, an extra win in a series. Yeah. So I I really do. I like. Uh, yeah, I like uh, I like Bones a lot. I I like the team. I think the team's as constructed is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the team. I think the team got better, even if Murray and Porter can't come back. But if Murray and Porter can't can come back, I mean, I'm. I think they're dangerous. I think they're a 55, 60 win team if if those if those guys come back uh, and and can play well. Um, yeah. Because I think I, I don't think I don't think Jokic is, is going to get any worse. Um, I think he's. I think what he did last year was amazing, um, and I think he. I think he'll do it again. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just—he's just a different—he's—he's he's a different kind of player than anything I've ever seen. Um, he's a player whose entire game is built around you being scared of the plays he's going to make by passing, um, and that's why you can't—you—you you can't double him. So mm-hmm. you know, the, when he when he started adding, you know, that little weird little hook shot he does, and that turnaround he's got. He's just, yeah. To me, he's 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 just a he's just a one of one player, and uh, so I, I, I'm really I'm really in, intrigued to see what they do. All right, we spent a lot of time here. Uh, okay, talk me to the Clippers, Chase. I know you love them. I know I know you're, right. <laughs> you're a huge Clippers fan. You just love the Clippers. Oh, uh, you don't have to speak so much evil on me. Uh, <laughs> so I am just somebody who firmly believes in the upside of the Clippers. Uh, so I did, I had like this little quandary, this little conundrum. So I told you one of my rules was that I didn't want to talk about Brooklyn very much because I understand their upside and I just don't think it happens. Yeah. Uh, and th- there are other teams that I was kind of thinking the same way with. And so then I got to thinking, it's like, well, I mean, is it fair if I'm going to say that about Brooklyn, that I'm going to put the Clippers in my top three where it's like, uh, there is absolutely no way that I can expect them to be 100% healthy when they get to the playoffs? Uh, And the answer is no, it's probably not fair, but I just, 
more so than Brooklyn. I just think if everything goes right for the Clippers, they're going to be so dang good. Uh, I mean, okay. So, so here, here's here's some fun for you. Okay, we've already, I've already brought this up to you several times. Anthony Davis has played more than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have in the last two years. So right off the bat, you've got you've got issues there, you know, because you know Davis is street clothes. Davis has that's deserved, you know. And I just I, I don't understand when we're talking about the Clippers why we're not saying these same things about them because once again we don't know what Kawhi is anymore. You know, Kawhi hasn't been, hasn't played really since the bubble, right? Uh, I thought he played the year after the bubble, but it's it's been a long time. But I mean, I'm just saying, like at this point, we're looking at a year and a half without yeah. Kawhi. You know, Paul George. You know, I think is a f- fine, fantastic player. Um, but I think he's a clear number two. <laughs> so I don't. So once again, I don't. Uh, I don't understand. This team is built on the on the idea that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to play together, and if that doesn't happen, I don't understand. I don't see them getting past. I don't see him getting past an eight seed, honestly. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'd have a chance to be like a little bit better than the eight seed. But that's the thing. Like I said, I'm obsessed with their upside because, uh, and you don't know how much Kawhi is going to play this year if he plays like 50 games. You're probably going to count that as a win. Uh, so, I think their baseline is probably around the play-in. Yeah, like you said, like maybe seven or eight. But if things go right for them, uh, Kawhi Leonard, one thing that's different, uh, and, and I mean, I love Anthony Davis, so I don't want to be too mean to him. But like this past year, Anthony Davis was not spectacular. Whereas when we've seen Kawhi Leonard on the court, he has been nothing but spectacular. He kind of, they, they tanked that one year, and I think I'm talking about the year after the bubble. Um, where they tried to fall back into the fours or something like I think they fell into the four so that they played the Mavericks, who were going to be the five seed, if I'm remembering right. It was something like that. And then Luka took it to them. Yeah. And I think kind of caught them off guard. And it took just like monstrous, monstrous efforts from Kawhi just for them to get out of the first round. But yeah. like they were able to do that. And, I mean, when you have a guy – who hasn't been there before, like Luca Hatton at the time, and was just playing out of his mind, sometimes, like, that is one of the situations where quite often that young guy that starts playing out of his mind just gets that upset. And Kawhi was good enough to say, like, no, young man, you're not going to beat my team here. Now, he ended up uh, having the knee injury, and that's what's put him out the last year and a half. But if... It, it it is just that huge massive if but they uh they're not quite as long as a team like the raptors but they've got some ridiculous depth they've got all sorts of good players to where if Kawhi misses 30 games they can handle that uh as long as he's playing for them in the playoffs so that's one where you i, I will totally agree with you if Kawhi is not playing i i'm not going to give the clippers much of any thought now they did uh, they made it to the conference finals. They beat that Jazz team 
that, again, we talked about the Jazz never really had the playoff success that they were supposed to on paper. But even without Kawhi, they kind of embarrassed what we thought was a good Jazz team that year. And then they, they ran up against... Uh, oh, shoot. They came in the next series and lost. But we saw them play fairly well without Kawhi. So the fact that you could add Kawhi Leonard to a team that already looks like a decent playoff team uh, just fills me with a lot. And on both sides of the ball, I mean, they've got plenty of shooting. They've got plenty of defense. And like I said, they're not going to run up into, into a Giannis or an Embiid in the Western side at all. It would be until the finals, until they ran up against somebody other than Jokic. And I think Jokic presents a problem to them for sure. Uh, I would probably have Denver winning that series uh, again, assuming everything goes right for Denver too, and that Jamal comes back healthy and looks like a facsimile of himself. Yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I mean, thing, I just, I just, it's hard for me w- once again. Okay, and we'll talk about this a little more with the Lakers, but I'm just like, if you're going to buy them, you got to buy into the Lakers. Because and the reason I'm saying that is because when LeBron and Anthony Davis have played together, they've won 70% of the games and they have been dominant. You know, they just haven't played together that much, and so it, it's it's a weird it's weird to me, you know, how much praise they're getting for a team whose third best player is what Robert Covington. You know, I mean, a lot I mean, of people are saying. Uh... Norm Powell, I think, is with them. So Norm, I mean, okay, Norm Powell's good. I I forgot. I always I always forget, I always forget he's there. It's and really he's, ambiguous, but one of the points in their favor is that like there's not a huge gap in like their third best player to their eighth, and it's not that they're all bad. It's like they've got a lot of guys who could be your third, fourth, fifth best player. They've got like six of those. Yeah, but they've also but once again, so it's door. So we're. How do you play Norman Powell, George, and Kawhi together? They're the same. Like, Kawhi and Paul George are kind of the same player offensively anyway. Yeah. Uh, and Norman Powell's kind of a worse version of those two players. So it, it's just weird. Like, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really get the team. I, everybody else does. I'm not seeing it. I could be dead wrong. I've, I've been wrong before. Um, it's just a team that I just, I don't, I, I'm not buying. I'm not buying it. You know, I, I don't. You know, I've, I, yeah, I think I think Kawhi Leonard's one of the, you know, he's probably I think I'd counted up maybe the eighth best wing of all time, you know, and I think he's fantastic, top fifty player of all time, but I just don't see it this year, you know. I I don't understand, you know, he's he's he he gets these he he gets injured, you know, he should he should have come back last year, and you know he. Lost all last year, and that's fine. You know, they they knew what they had. He signs that weird deal, <laughs> you know, that like weird two year deal with them, so yeah. he can be a free agent after this year again. And you know, it's it's I I, I just I don't I don't buy it. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not in on this team. Um, but, but but I get it. I mean, but but and I understand. It. I mean, like it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know. Um, but uh, for me, I just think the more fun pick. Uh, and the team that just has a higher upside this year is New Orleans Pelicans. I'd love to tell you why I think that. Yeah, I disagree on the upside, but if you were going to play the season out like a thousand times, I could see saying that the Pelicans are better than the Clippers more often than not, uh, just because 
I don't necessarily trust the Clippers to get to where I think they could be. Um, to quickly, I, I want to let you take all the time on New Orleans that I've taken on the Clippers, um, even though you indulge me quite well with the Clippers here. Um, there's, I think pretty obviously there's not a question about how they're going to work defensively as a team if all their pieces are there because they're just going to be very good. Um, and then offensively, I just think that Tyron Lue is a good coach. Uh, and he's going to figure that out if he I mean, he's going to have to put in some work to do that, because like you said, they have a lot of overlapping players there. But the good thing is, is you have to get players to buy in. So they're a team that I could see maybe if they don't uh, if there's some disgruntled players, the offense could get a little bit clunky. They're going to have to figure out their rotations, uh, who's playing, who's not, who's playing when this guy's playing, who we need to stagger and all of these things. But they have a lot of offensive talent. Uh, they've got shooting. So if you find guys that are okay not being a primary ball handler and being a third or fourth guy, they're still going to be able to knock in shots. Uh, so uh, there's, I can just talk myself into it working, even though if I, I know that there's a, a good chance that it won't. I mean, I get that. I understand that. Um, and that's kind of, about the Pelicans. I think they're that, fun. That's kind of where I'm at with the Pelicans. Um, I've kind of talked myself into them, but here's here's where I, okay. So here's your here's your presum- presuming starting five for the Pelicans. Okay, would be Jose Alvarado, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Jonas. Okay, I think is pretty good starting five. Then off the bench, you're bringing in you got Devonte Graham, you got Herbert Jones, you got Larry Nance Jr., you got Jackson Hayes. All right, so that one through nine there, to me, just seems vastly more fun than the L.A. Clippers one through nine. You know, I mean, Jose Alvarado broke Chris Paul's brain last year. Uh, you know, uh, I just, I mean, he's he's a he's an exciting, exciting defensive player. Um, you know, Herbert Jones, you know, came out of nowhere. Uh, and, like, I mean, he's, he's what – he's – he's what all the NBA fans who love hustle plays love, yeah. you know, and you've got, you've, you've got all these players. Like, I mean, even Devonte Graham, who like, I mean, he is two years removed from like just lighting people up in Charlotte. You know I mean? I, and I mean, I, part of that might've just been volume. I mean, that's possible, but I mean, he's your eighth best player. If he's your eighth best player, you're probably doing pretty well. So a lot, and I realize here's the thing, a lot of this, and now I'm a hypocrite because a lot of this I'm basing off of, an assumption. I'm basing on an assumption here that we're looking at a 25-7-4 and four season from Zion. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that is an assumption I'm making. Um, he is slimmed down. He is very much... Um, I mean, he is a stacked. I mean, the, the pictures I've seen of him, uh, I mean, it looks like he's, he's finally taken the weight room seriously, um, which is a good thing. Um, if he is that guy again, yeah, I think this team has a really high ceiling, um, particularly because, like I said, I think, you know, apparently, you know, if you, you talk about someone's salary, you know, the one of the five best players in franchise history that will just punch you out. So, like, you yeah. know, there's so like, I mean, just in, in that in that conference, you know, there's just room to grow because the thing about the Pelicans is, is like I got them four. Because I'm like, well, I don't trust Dallas because I think Dallas got worse. 
I don't trust Clippers for all the reasons I've mentioned. You know, um, you've got wins that have to be eaten up by by the Utah stuff. So there's going to be there's there's free wins out there because Utah is going to go from a 50 win team to a 15 win team. You know, and who's going to eat those up? I think the Pelicans have just as big a shot as anybody. I don't think LA's as good. I don't think uh, or the Lakers are going to be that good. I don't think Portland's going to be that good. I like Minnesota. You know, um, but I but if I look at Minnesota's roster, I look at the New Orleans roster. I like New Orleans more than I do Minnesota because the other thing about New Orleans is I don't see a head case on the team. But there there isn't. Like I mean, Brandon Ingram is a model player, right? I mean, like everybody loves Brandon Ingram at this point. It used to just be me on that island, and now everybody loves Brandon Ingram. It was like, yeah, this guy he's a solid player. You know, he was a he was a solid number one. While Zion was out, you know, turn, you know, led that team into the play-in. You know, I mean, he's a he's a solid, all-around great player. Um, the question I have: we've got a brand new coach in Willie Green, who's coaching a bunch of young players. I think the, you know, I mean, they're of the of that top eight. I think the oldest one is Devonte Graham, who's like 27, 26, something like that. So, like, you've got all these young players that have had little to no playoff success between all of them. Um, you know, is is he going to be able to pull those guys together? Because there is a there is a there's a little friction already in that Brandon Ingram when when Zion had his 27 points per game where he was like you know was like shooting 61 percent from the field and all that stuff. Well, they were playing that point Zion thing where basically Ingram was standing in a corner and just waiting for the ball to get passed to him. And Ingram didn't like that. And he told people he didn't like that. Because it, it, in fairness, it's not the best use of his talents. So, like, you know, is is Willie gonna is Willie Green going to come in and basically do what Udoka did with the Celtics last year? And it's basically like, what is the best way for me to maximize these talents? Or is he just going to be like, I will run pick and rolls and ISOs for Zion all day long. And if he does that, then yeah, the team has a really, really short uh, and a really small window of, of opportunity here. But if like, if he's try if he's going to go in and look at Zion, you know, in the same way that Spolstra looked at uh, LeBron uh, back in the day, and it was like, you know, we're going to put him in situations where he can, you know, where he can win uh, where he can make uh, good plays. If he's going to do that, then yeah, I think this team could be very interesting, but I don't know anything about Willie Green's abilities as a coach. So that's where it becomes dangerous. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm high on the Pelicans. Uh, I like the team. I like the way it's constructed. It's one of those teams that makes sense. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best for them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I think they're pretty likely to be a playoff team. It's not that I'm out on them, but whereas a lot of these other teams, like I told you, uh, a theoretically good Clippers team, I like them on both sides of the ball. I, I just think the Pelicans are going to have to worry about the defensive side. They might be, they could be one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. But when you look at them, uh, good defenders, you have Alvarado and you have Herb Jones. And then like, it's, a bunch of guys who are either confusing or just outright bad. Uh, like CJ McCollum's not a good defender. Zion Williamson, for all of the tools that he has, uh, for whatever reason, his NBA defensive numbers have been disgusting, like some of the worst, I think, in NBA history, uh, which is a little bit confusing again because he doesn't look like he should be that guy. 
and he looked like a good defender in college uh, in his one year at Duke. And then Brandon Ingram has spent most of his year, career being a bad defender. He's had uh, a couple of years where he put it together, so we know he's capable of being like a little bit above average. But he, Ingram was a good defender last year. I've got to say, Ingram was a good defender last year, Chase. I mean, I, I mean yeah, I mean, I think he was. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, I mean, he wasn't like a. I mean, he wasn't on like Tatum's level, but like, but oh, I mean, he, yeah, but, but like, he, he was a good defender. I think he's been a a little bit better with the Pelicans than he was with the Lakers for sure. Um, well, yeah, because the Lakers did. Well, I don't even want to talk about him on the Lakers. So that's one of the biggest mismanage of all time. But the thing, but here, here's what I'll say about Ingram as far as like defense. When he's had a when he's had a scheme, when there's been a defensive scheme. He's perfectly fine in it, you know. Um, he's he's not a he's not a lockdown guy, um, but yeah. like with someone as long as him, I don't think you'd want to be a lockdown guy anyway, or at least try to be, you know. You but as a help defender, he's really good. He covers a lot of like he always tries, you know. So I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying though. I, I agree. Yeah, and then I mean, like don't make to the talk coach. about Devonte Graham because I mean, he's probably one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Yeah, and, and like Valanchunas is big, but especially in today's NBA, he's got plenty of limitations. Uh, I, I just think they could very well be exploited. So, like, uh, I mean, you think I think the the Cavs could win a bunch of games, a hundred to ninety. I think the Pelicans are going to have to be winning games like a hundred thirty to a hundred twenty-five. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally. I mean, it's totally fair. And they're gonna do they're gonna do it some nights too. Not that they aren't going to be able to. I just think they're gonna uh, have some trouble with the the better teams. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, okay, um, you've got Memphis as your wild card. I've got them as my third. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to give like the briefest of shout outs. I I went really back and forth between Memphis and Minnesota because I. I'm tempted to really like what Minnesota did. I heard Chris Vernon say today that he thinks by uh, adding Rudy Gobert to the mix, he actually took away, they actually took away one of their biggest uh, advantages, which was Cat at the five. And I hadn't really considered that because one of their problems has been a little bit of defense, especially in the post, because Cat, again, one of those players that just is not what he was in college at the NBA level. I thought he was going to be a surefire good defensive player and probably good on offense, and he turned into the best offensive, at least shooting, big man of all time. Uh, Dirk probably would have been better in a different era, but he's definitely the best shooting big man from that standpoint of all time, and he's like just a bad defender. So I, I was thinking that Gobert would kind of take over and uh, do some of the things that Cat doesn't, but if uh, I, I hadn't considered that argument. But yeah, so uh, I'll let you start on the Grizzlies, and then I'll just pipe in because I'm probably going to agree with a lot of the stuff you say. Yeah, real quick, I don't agree. I don't think Gobert takes anything away from him. I'm just not. I'm not as high on that team. I'm, I, I, th- I think we know what Gobert is. I think we know what Cat is. Um, that team's going to go as far as Anthony Edwards makes his leap, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Well, and then to just add on there, the the big thing because I said I liked where both of the Utah guys went. I just think that. Um, although Minnesota is not particularly deep, uh, at least they're going to have one or two guys who can play defense on the perimeter and help Gobert out because, I mean, Utah's defense was just pitiful other than Gobert. Like, he was having to fill in for all these other guys. It was embarrassing. So hopefully, I mean, like, 
Edwards, at the very least, is going to defend better than anybody on the perimeter did. Uh, and they might actually have a good defensive scheme. And I think it kind of makes a little bit of sense to me that Gobert is the defensive player of the year favorite right now. Yeah. I think, um, but talking about Memphis. So here's what scares me about Memphis real quick. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. is missing the first eight weeks of the season. That scares me because I think Jared Jackson Jr. is a fantastic player and the clear-cut second-best player on that team. Um, but here's, for Memphis, it just all boils down to this. I think John Morant's the MVP this year, and I think we're, going, we're about to look at a 32-7-5 and this season from him. Uh, where he just goes off um, on people. Um, he's made so many strides in so many areas offensively since he's gotten to the league, um, and yet I still think that he's got another step. And there were points last year where I totally thought he was unguardable. Like there was no way you could guard him. Um, that no matter what you did, however you stacked against him, he found a way to get around you, to score around you. He's got some of the best body control I've ever seen uh, in in the air. Um, he's like he's a just he combines all the best elements of like Iverson um, and you know <laughs> uh, Iverson and guys like uh, he has a name a throwback name a guy like Baron Davis. Um, or even even a guy like uh, back in the day, Monta Ellis. You know all the best all the best parts of those players. He has all of it. Um, I'd like to see him be a little bit of a better shooter. He's he's a decent shooter, but he's not a great shooter. I think if he got up to about thirty nine percent from the three point land, um, he'd be he'd be a clear cut you know top top of the line player. But I just feel like when I looked at the league. And I was like trying to make my predictions on who I thought, you know, could be an MVP candidate. The two that came to mind were Tatum and him as far as, you know, guys that could make that leap into, you know, okay, we're looking at something that's, you know, that's all time greatest. And, you know, I, I just think there's going to be nights where people are going to be like, I don't know what to do with this guy. He's a force of nature and I don't know how to deal with it. And when you have a player like that, really all you have to do is surround them with, you know, good enough players that can keep up with them. Now, here's my issue with Memphis, though. Memphis might have, from a from a roster standpoint, might have some of the most disappointing players I've ever seen. Because, like, at this point, like, I thought Desmond Bain would be a lot better than he is. I thought Dylan Brooks would be better than he is. I thought Brandon Clark would be better than he is. Um, I mean, those three players alone, you know, were former lottery picks uh, that that were supposed to be, you know, I mean, you know, buckets and, you know, I mean, Brandon Clark, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, just the, the idea for Brandon Clark, of course, was like, you know, he was going to be the, you know, the, the stretch four for him, you know, which ended up being what Jaron Jackson really kind of is. Uh, so like it, there, there's just a lot of a lot of questions for the rest of that roster because they haven't really f- turned into what they're supposed to be. And yet, even though I don't think they ever really became what they're supposed to be, they were the number two team in the West last year. And I don't even know what to do with that. You know, like I don't even know how to deal with that. I mean, I understand, you know, Jaw's great and Jaron Jackson's great, but you know, if if the rest of this roster can can keep up and maybe make a, you know, because all those guys are still young. If they can, you know, maybe make another step, I think they could be real dangerous. 
But the problem with Memphis is the problem with every other team in the West, which is we've put all of our chips into this, and if this doesn't work, uh, it's just not going to work. And I could see Memphis going – I could see Memphis being the one seed, and I could see Memphis being a nine seed, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's me. With, that's, that's where I'm at on Memphis. Yeah, so I, I mentioned earlier – well, actually, let me – call you out on something that I was surprised to hear. I'm surprised you're, like, not super in on where Desmond Bain is right now. Uh, I think he's been great. Um, the The Celtics actually drafted him with the 30th pick in the first round and traded him away immediately, and I really regret that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he just seems really good. I mean, like, uh, he's not quite Jalen Brown or anything like that. Like, he's not that level of player to me, but, I mean, 18 points a game, and the the big thing is he's just so reliable from three. He's shot 43% or better in both of his career seasons. And, again, I say both of his career seasons. He's only played two seasons in the NBA, and I, I view him as a massive hit. Yeah, I think I, – yeah, you're right. I mean, And he had a fantastic uh, – uh, series against Minnesota, uh, or the, you know, um, yeah. so I mean, I, 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 yeah, that's I'll give you that, but he also had a, I thought, a really bad one against Golden State, <laughs> and yeah. like it's just you know, and you're right, he's only I, I thought he was older than he was. Uh, I might be getting him and Dylan Brooks confused, and that's a that's a they're both DBs, and that's a definite possibility, yeah. Um, and you mentioned Brooks, I agree on that point, but I just you know, and 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 well, Bain's only he, this is his third year. I mean, he could he could make another leap as well. Um, they're they're gonna be. I really I, I just really like this team. <laughs> I really do. Like I really like how they're constructed, and I like the you know the the they're a team that just makes sense on paper. And like when you just see once again, like how good sometimes when when that Memphis arena is rocking, you know, and like and they've got you know. They've got Morant and Jackson just rolling. Um, they're just a there's a different there's just a different feel to them than just about any other team in the league. Um, so I'm I'm really I'm really high on them. I just I worry about that sometimes because they because because they are they do seem fragile. You know what I mean? Like it seems like it seems like they have a really small window. You know, like it just seems like things could could go from really good to really bad really quickly. Um, kind of a weird thing to say about such of a young team. Um, I feel like some of that feeling, at least for me, would come from Jaron Jackson, and he's another one of those guys that, like, he was in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation last year, but has also had plenty of issues staying healthy. Um, So despite his youth, you're just not sure how long he's going to be able to contribute. But, uh, I mean, I think this is a team that could be good for a long time. Yeah, it's just, but you know, another guy who wasn't really healthy last year was Jaw, right? I mean, I mean, Jaw missed a lot of games last year. Yeah, uh, he did, and one of the concerns with him, and I mean, like Russell Westbrook never really dealt with it, but some of those guys, I mean, uh, you kind of take the, with them having similar play styles. Uh, I think the two easiest guys to compare him to are Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose. And, uh, I mean, the career Derrick Rose might have had would have been very fun, but he, he went down to injury being that guard that is just flying all over the place. And you hear people constantly worried about uh, Jaw is going to have some major injury. 
And so far, he hasn't had a major one. Like, he hasn't torn an ACL or anything like that. Knock on wood. But, like, people thought when he went down last year that that's probably what it was. And people have been kind of talking about that for a long time. So if he can stay healthy, I, I really like him, too. I don't necessarily see him as a health concern in that I, historically he's been more healthy than you maybe would have thought. He just had that one that lingered for a while last year. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't see him as a health risk, but yet it feels like any given game he could blow out something. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, um, that was your wild card. Um, I've already mentioned my wild cards, Lakers. Um, and it's really not even because of where I think they're they're at as a team. It's just that whatever trade happened with Westbrook and those two picks is going to be the trade of the year because that's going to be the trade that changes things for teams, whether it's a team that's going to be like saying, I'm out on this season and I'm giving everything I've got away, which is what I, which is where I think the Nets come into play, or whether it's a trade wherein, um, you know, it's it's the trade that puts the Lakers back on the map and then goes, okay, now you've got to deal with LeBron, you know, as a four seed as opposed to an eight seed. Um, because and here's here's the thing. So for me, the other reason I consider him a wild card is. I just don't know if I feel like LeBron's going to go out this way. Um, I'm not a LeBron guy. I think that's fair to say at this point. Um, but the idea that he would miss the playoffs, you know, three years in a row is just, you know, that's just weird to me. And I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I can see that happening. Now, is this year his body finally breaks down? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Anthony Davis has said all the right things, you know, uh, going into, uh, you know, except for that time where he's like, I haven't shot since April, uh, which I thought was weird. But like he said, all the right things as far as like his conditioning, um, you know, they they didn't get a center for some reason. So like Anthony Davis is going to be playing center, um, which statistically he's good at, but he hates doing Um I don't know the team there's there's stuff there you know and it's just like it's just weird to think you know we're going into this LeBron had his best offensive season since he was like 26 last year um and yet you know that's the second best player of all time to a lot of people and they didn't make the playoffs and no one's really picking them like playoffs this year so Something I think is going to have to happen because he signed that weird deal, uh, that weird two-year deal. He can't get traded uh, this year. I guess he can next year, but that'd be weird. Uh, but it looks like he's going to be a Laker for the rest of his career, and I don't think he would have signed that deal if somebody hadn't said to him, look, we're going to make sure to trade these two picks. And, you know, Who's going to do that? Who's going to who's going to bite on that? I think that is going to be an interesting little subplot for the season, particularly if the Lakers can maintain, uh, can keep their head above water and keep in the playoff uh, contention. Um, because you know, I just I just think there's just um, there's just too many 
too many teams out there that are going to be willing to, as you point out, Case, early on when we started this podcast, there's going to be too many teams out that are just going to be willing to be like, yeah, uh, it's two weeks out of the All-Star break and we're 12th in the West. I don't know, let's blow it up, guys. You know, uh, There's going to be teams that are willing to do that, and the Lakers are going to be right there with $35 million of cap space and two unprotected draft picks. Um, and that's going to be a lot for people to turn down. Uh, so yeah, I, that's their, that's why they're my wild card. Uh, any thoughts on that case? Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of it. Um, I, I tend to think, even though I am kind of with people where like, as currently constructed, the Lakers are a play in team. Uh, I think people are a little bit too down on them because at the end of the day, they do still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if Davis is anything like what he can be, and LeBron James is what he has been for pretty much his entire career, that's still a good team. One of the issues is just how good some of the teams above them in the West are. So, like, I I struggle to see them being better than Golden State, being better than Denver, uh, being better than the Suns in the regular season, at least. Uh, St. Memphis. A lot of teams that are probably going to be better than them. Uh, like you said, the you said the Westbrook trade is going to be the trade of the year. It's going to have to be for them to get there because they are still. I know you say you don't really want to do the Buddy Heald and the Miles Turner trade, and I, I do agree that you're probably looking for something better. I still don't know exactly what it is because I'm not sure about like Kevin Durant. Um, but if you just tell me you get to kick Russell Westbrook off this team and you put Buddy Heald and Miles Turner on the team, all of a sudden that is a team that I think at least may fight to not be in the play-in and a team that I don't want to play in the playoffs. Um, So if you can find a trade of that caliber caliber or better, I absolutely think that the Lakers are at least going to be a threat. They're probably not going to be the title favorites, but there is going to be, if you can make a trade like that, way too much talent on this roster not to be afraid of them. Well, I'm just, I'm already out there. Remember I said it, it's the, the, that they're going to float that Durant trade. It might not happen, but you're going to hear about it. It's definitely going to be a rumor. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just my guess because I can't think, because I don't, I don't, if they had wanted to do Buddy Hill and Miles Turner, they would have already done it. And I don't think, I don't think there's a better, there's a better trade out there for Brooklyn, um, than that one. Uh, than they just the ability to start fresh because if you're I know you don't want to talk about Brooklyn but if you're Brooklyn your team's I mean there's just that team's beyond messed up man I mean like it's just like there's nothing you can do with it it's you know weird it's, it's somebody who Ben Simmons yeah. on there and like it's just it's just a bad team yeah as somebody who doesn't at all mind to uh, see both Brooklyn and the Lakers do poorly I would be really interested in that drama happening for that trade to really pick up some wind. Uh, so I'm all for it. I want that to happen now. I'm glad that you spoke that into the universe, <laughs> into my universe, if it hadn't already been. All right. Well, uh, Chase, real quick, give me your MVP pick, and then we'll, we're going to get off here. Well, I don't want to react too strongly to the only NBA game that has been played. Uh, I was going to say Joel Embiid, and I think the Celtics just kind of embarrassed him. Uh, I'm still going to stick with Joel Embiid. I don't want to be too reactionary um, for multiple reasons. One, we both believe that he's one of the best players in the NBA. 
Um, so just from a talent standpoint, he's there. Two, he's on a team that could rack up 50-plus wins, which is very important for a lot of MVP candidates. Uh, three, the, the narrative is there. He's finished He's finished second both times, right, behind Jokic? I know he finished second last year. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, there's going to be a lot of people saying, well, he's played at an MVP caliber for a few years, uh, and now uh, there's going to be some Jokic fatigue. I mean, Jokic is going to have to average, like, a 30-point triple-double on a number one seed in the West or something to get three in a row, just the way that the voters are. They're kind of goofy that way. Um, so, like, I'd be shocked if Jokic won it again. So there's going to be a little bit of that of like, well, he deserved to maybe win one of the last two years, so let's give him this year. So if he finishes the year healthy and plays like he has the last couple of years, I think he's got a very good shot at it. So if I were going to uh, place a bet on that, which I'm not planning on doing, uh, I would go with Embiid just like as far as likelihood goes. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I would actually make the statement, I don't think Joel Embiid is ever going to win an MVP. Because here, here, here's my thing with Embiid. I don't think you can ever truly make the statement that that guy's better than Giannis or Jokic. And that's just, you know, uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think uh, you're right. The narr- I'll tell you what, you said 50. I think they, I think if, if they win 60 games, I think, yeah, you got to put Embiid. You got to put it in, in Embiid's hands at that point. Um, but for me, I just think that the voters like fun. And for me, the most fun player in the league is John Morant. And if John Morant plays 70 games and they somehow make a top four, they get to the top four in the West and they traverse all these landmines and he's throwing up. Cause I think, I think he'll average 30 points a game this year. If he does that, I think you're going to see John Morant get a lot of votes. Um, and then my backup is Tatum. I mean, I just, I, that you talk about narrative being there, you know, if the Celtics can be the, I mean, if the Celtics can be a two seed in the West, in the East, let's just, just the two seed, not the, not even the one seed, the two seed in the East, um, with all the crap that happened with their coach, you know, uh, I don't see how you don't give it to Tatum at that point. To me, that's just, I, I mean, that, that is your narrative, you know, that is, that is, oh, is Tatum the next Kobe? Is he the next alpha dog? That's, there will be people saying that thing if, if, if that's what happens. Um, so yeah, those are my, those are my two picks. Uh, there might be some MB bias there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> might just be. I, I feel like I'm one of the guys that roots against MB the most. I, I love watching him fail. Um, I, I don't like him very much, but th- that's just kind of how I'm viewing things. But I understand that. Um, if I were to pick like five guys to win the MVP, John Tatum are both in that. So I, I understand. Yeah. I'm not totally sure. I think I think if Jokic has a year similar, I think you're going to see a lot of voters that will want to vote for him just for the fun of having a – because you're right, voters get fatigue, but voters also love to be a part of history. And you've only had one guy in the modern era win three in a row, and that's Larry Bird. So, I mean, it's just, well, you know, and then, then we can have these conversations. Well, you know, is Jokic one of the top five centers of all time? And we can, that's the stuff NBA vote. Those NBA voters love that stuff. That's uh, I, I, so do. I, I can see that happening. 
But yeah, I agree. I think, ago, I think Giannis had a case for it to get three in a row, and that didn't happen. So I, I would still be surprised. But yeah, uh, you could convince me that that narrative happens, especially. I mean, I think Giannis is about as likable a person in the NBA as there is. I think it's him and Steph, but Giannis well, is also very likable. Yeah, well, no, I mean, and I think I think Giannis is a dark is the dark horse MVP candidate. You know, I, mean, I, think gonna, I think there's going to be voters are going to be like, I don't understand. You know, he's had three three straight, you know, 28, 15, six years. You know, like, I don't know, with, with you know, elite defense on top of that. He's the best two-way player in the NBA. I don't know why we're not, you know. There, there's going to be voters that are going to make that statement. So, uh, yeah, but I just I just look at, like, you know, I just remember how that first month of last year and how everybody was like, oh, gosh. Y'all got to watch John Morant. I mean, there were people like, yeah, I mean, I almost got league pass just so I could watch <laughs> more John Morant games. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's that kind of fun. And, you know, and at, at the end of the day, you know, particularly with all these horrible distractions we had in the off season, the NBA is going to be looking for fun. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, that that's why he's kind of my pick. I don't, when I say MVP, I don't think John Morant, I don't know if I put John Morant as a top five player in the league. Uh, but I do think, you know, as MVP, you know, that's MVP doesn't always mean top five player in the league, you know, yeah, I agree. he might be as valuable as anybody right now. So, so yeah, well, Chase, listen, I, I think, I think that's going to shut us down, man. We, uh, we've, we've done this for three hours now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has been uh, uh, quite a long one. Yeah. Well, Chase, I appreciate it. And we're going to try and uh, get back together, uh, maybe mid season or something like that. Uh, do our best to to stick around. Uh, as always, guys, uh, we do like to tell you uh, Phantom is for everyone, and we thank you for listening. Uh, Chase, thank you for being on here, and uh, y'all have uh, y'all enjoy the NBA season. There's some pretty good games this first week, and uh, we'll catch you later. That's right. Bye.